This audio program is brought to you courtesy of Audible.com. Audible, audio that speaks to you wherever you are. Now, now they are. I know it's somewhere among all these books and papers. Why is it you can never find things, Frodo? Ah, here it is. The Red Book, Bilbo used to call it. So it is. Red. The colour of fire. The colour of blood. Oh, so many pages left blank. Almost as if Bilbo knew that the story which he began would one day have to be finished by someone else. I've left them for you, Frodo, my lad, he used to say. But I never really supposed that the task would fall to me. Yes, a great many pages. Yet barely enough to tell the tale in full. It's dramas, terrors... And sadnesses. Nevertheless, it must be told, shall be told, however long the telling may take, and always supposing that I am permitted the time to tell it. But where to begin? Where did it all really begin? Not with my journey. No, long before. With Bilbo's adventures, there and back again? Nope, not even there. It began with a tale told before our time. Before hobbits had any part to play in it. A tale told by other voices. Recorded by other hands. A tale that began long years ago. Long years ago, in the second age of Middle-earth, the elven smiths of Eregion forged rings of great power. Then the Dark Lord Sauron forged one ring in the fires of Mount Doom in the land of Mordor. This ring he made to rule the others, and their power was bound up with it, so that they could last only so long as it too should last. And from that time... War never ceased between Sauron and the elves. Three rings they hid from him, but the others he gathered into his hands, hoping to make himself master of all things. Then was an alliance made against the Dark Lord, and Sauron was, for that time, vanquished. But at length his dark shadow stretched forth once more, and he sought again for mastery over the rings of power. One ring had come into the possession of Gollum, a slimy creature as dark as darkness, who kept its secret onto himself in the nethermost depths of the mines beneath the misty mountains. There it was hidden, even from the searching eye of Sauron, the Lord of the Rings. The Lord of the Rings by J.R.R. Tolkien in an adaptation prepared by Brian Sibley. With Ian Holm, Michael Horden, 
Robert Stevens, John the Measurer, Peter Woodthorpe, and Bill Nye. Part 1, dramatised by Brian Sibley and Michael Bakewell, The Fellowship of the Ring. Long years Gollum possessed his ring before it left him and passed to another. Gollum sought unceasingly to recover it, and without realising what power drew him on, he made his way step by step and mile by mile to Mordor. Precious, precious, we've lost the precious. After all these ages, it's gone. It was our birthday present, and it's lost. Curses and crushes, but we'll never find it again. No. 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 You. Us. 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 Miserable creature. Why are you lurking here? No, not lurking, precious. Looking, yes, we're looking for our birthday present, aren't we, precious? Yes, that's all. The Lord Sauron has no liking for those who pry and spy. Spying? Prying? We men no harm, precious. None come or go here without the Lord Sauron's leave. <laughs> if you will not answer here... You shall answer in Mordor. Nothing to answer. Is there precious? Nothing. No, no, nothing. There are devices in Barad-dûr to loosen the lying tongue. <laughs> Come. No, no, precious. No, precious. Put us down. Put us down. No. no! <laughs> Why come you to the land of Mordor? <laughs> we were only looking for our precious. Our precious, which we love. Precious? What is this precious? It was ours, and the nasty nerves are stolen from us. What was stolen? <laughs> we only used it to catch our food with precious, didn't we? Silly goblinses couldn't see us when we wore the precious. We would have died of hunger in those mountains. We would if it hadn't been for precious. Where did you get this thing? <laughs> it was given to us, precious, as a, a birthday present. And we kept it safe, oh, yes, very safe, for long ages. This, 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 this. Till the thief took it from us. Who took it? We don't know. Do we? No, no, we don't know. No. Nothing knows anymore, wasn't it, precious? And Trixie, who tried to cheat us, he did. Lost in the mountains, he was lost. Oh. Came nosing round our pool, he did. Asked us riddles, he did. Cheated, he did. Stole it, he did. Who stole it? We've said, haven't we, precious? We don't know, do we, precious? <laughs> <laughs> Baggins! Ooh. Baggins, he said it was! That's all we know, isn't it, Precious? Yes, yes, yes. When was this? Long ago. Yes, yes. Years, years ago. And we've been looking for it ever since, haven't we? Yes. Little cheating thief. We ought to have squeezed it. Stuck. Stuck. 
Squeeze the wheel. Where is Baggins now? Don't know. Don't know do we, Precious? No, we don't know where the Baggins is. Came from the Shire, didn't he? Yes, yes, but we don't know where that is. You lie. No. My master demands the truth. No, no, Precious, we don't lie. We don't the master all we know. Yes, yes, yes. And who was Baggins? He was Mr. Bilbo Baggins. And Mr. Bilbo Baggins was a hobbit. He had once lived at Bag End on the hill in the village of Hobbiton across the water in the Shire in the peaceful northwest of Middle-earth. Now, however, Bilbo was no longer the occupant of Bag End, and sinister shadows lengthened in the Shire. But let us go back 17 years to an evening in early September when the chief topic of conversation at the Ivy Bush Tavern in Hobbiton was Mr Bilbo Baggins. You can say what you like, Gaffer Gamgee, but Baggins a queer place and its folk are queerer. Mr Bilbo is a very nice, well-spoken, gentle hobbit, Ted Sandyman, and don't you go saying otherwise. But what about this Frodo that lives with Baggins is his name, but he's more than half a brandy book. I gather Sandy Man's right there. And they're rum folk in Buckland, living on the wrong side of Brandywine River. And Be all. that as it may, Daddy Twofoot. Mr. Frodo is a Baggins. He's Mr. Bilbo's nephew. Yeah. And his first and second cousin. And anyhow, he's as nice a young hobbit as you could wish to meet. Well, there's still some as think when young Frodo's parents upped and died, Mr. Bilbo ought to have left well enough alone. And there's still some as think Mr. Bilbo did him a great kindness by adopting him as his heir and bringing him back here to live among decent folk. To live among queer folk, I says. <laughs> well, I've gardened for Mr. Bilbo more years than I can't remember. I finds him decent enough. And so does my lad Sam. He's always in a, a bag end. Mr. Bilbo's learned him his letters. Oh, letters. What? Well, meaning no harm, Mark you. I hope no harm will come of it. Wow. <laughs> well, if you know so much about the goings-on at Bag End, what's all this talk of a party? It's to be a birthday party. Mr. Bilbo and Mr. Frodo have the same birthday, you know. Oh. It's September the 22nd. Oh. This year, Mr. Frodo will be 33, come of age. And Mr. Bilbo will be 11 and a very respectable age, too, for a hobby. Ah, Gavin's right there. Well, the old took himself only reached 130. And Mr. Bilbo's certainly well-preserved for his age. Why, he don't look no different now to what he did when he was 90. Well, come to that, when he was 50. Well-preserved? <laughs> Unchanged would be nearer the mark. Some folk of all the luck. <laughs> anyway, who's going to this here party? My Sam says that everyone's going to be invited. And there's going to be presents, oh. Mark, you. Yeah, presents for all. <laughs> this very month, as is. Honestly, Frodo, I should be glad when September the 22nd's been and gone. Why? What's up? Half Hobbiton's up. And standing about outside Bag End as if they expected to see a dragon pop out any minute. <laughs> Our party certainly seems to be causing rather a lot of excitement. Well, I put up a notice on the gate now saying, no admittance except on party business. So perhaps you'll have a little peace and quiet for a while. Off. Oh. Yes? Oh, uh, I'm sorry if I'm disturbing you, Mr Bilbo, sir. No, oh, no, 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 it's all right, Sam. What can I do for you? Nothing, Mr Bilbo. 
I met the postman from Bywater on his way up here with another bundle of replies to those party invitations of yours. And as the poor fellow had been up here four times already today, I said as how I'd deliver them for him. Well, thank you, sir. Well, not at all, Mr. Bilbo. Uh, may I say how much me and the gaffer is looking forward to your party? Well, a party at Bag End without the Ganges would be unthinkable. Oh, well, anyway, if you'll excuse me, I'd best be getting on with trimming that there hedge of yours. Oh, very good, Sam. And thank you again for playing postman. My pleasure, Mr. Bilbo. Now then, Frodo. Now, you start on these. Yes. And I'll open this lot. Um, thank you for your kind invitation. I should be very pleased to come. Rory Mac Brandybuck. Good old Rory. Oh, rest my soul, Frodo. Listen to this. We wish to acknowledge your invitation and to notify you of our acceptance... Otho and Lobelia Sackfield Baggins. Well, you didn't think they'd miss it, did you? Oh, I suppose not. But I'm sure they're not at all happy that I've made you my heir. Now who is this? Ah, Gandalf! Well, Mr. Baggins, you needn't look so surprised. What on earth have you got in that cart? Fireworks. Surely you weren't planning a party without fireworks? My word, it's a good many years since any of... Gandalf's fireworks were seen in the Shire. Well, wizards have more important business to attend to than making elf fountains and goblin barkers for the entertainment of hobbits. Now then, how long are you going to keep me standing on the doorstep? Oh, I'm sorry, Gandalf, ah. I'm sorry. Come in, come in. Thank you. Ah. Hello, Frodo. Uh, hello, Gandalf. Uh, did I hear you say something about fireworks? You did. I always thought Gandalf's fireworks were a, a hobbit legend. Did you now? Can I take a peep? You can do better than that. I can? Yes, you can make sure no young hobbits go sneaking off with any. Not a single squib, <laughs> mark you. All right. And that includes you, Frodo. Oh, very well. Mm. Now, sit down, Gandalf. We'll have a sure. pipe of old Toby together, uh-huh. and you can tell me your news. Thank you, Bilbo. Uh, There's no pipe weed to compare with that of the Shire. I've missed it. As to news, well, that, for the moment, must wait. Well, now, this is pleasant. I must say, your garden's looking very bright. Yes, Sam and his father keep it well for me, Mm -hmm. and I'm very fond of it, and of all the dear old Shire, and I think I need a holiday. Oh, you mean to go on with your plan, then? I do. I made up my mind months ago, and I haven't changed it. Oh, very well. It's no good saying any more. Stick to your plan, your whole plan, mind. And I hope it'll turn out for the best for you. Well, I hope so. And for anyway, <laughs> I mean to enjoy myself on Thursday. Have my little joke. Who'll laugh, I wonder? Well, we shall see. Eventually, after much excitement, Thursday, September the 22nd, actually came. Signal for supper. Hey! 
My dear people. Oh, dear. I think Bill Bear's about to make a speech. My dear Bagginses and Woffins. And my dear Tooks and Bradley Bucks and Grubs and Chubs. Yes. And Burroughses and Hornblowers. Bulgers, Brace Girdles, Good Bodies. Rock houses. Oh, yeah. And proud foots. Proud feet. <laughs> proud foots. Uh-huh. Also, my good Sackville Baggins is that I welcome back at last to Bag End. Thank you. Now, while you're filling up the corners, as we hobbits put it, I hope you'll permit me a few words. <laughs> today is my 111th birthday. I'm 111 today. <laughs> and I hope. I hope you're all enjoying yourselves as much as I am. Well, I shan't keep you long. But I've called you together for a purpose. Indeed, for three purposes. First of all, to tell you that I'm immensely fond of you all and that 111 years is too short a time to live among such... Excellent and admirable hobby. I don't know half of you as well as I should like, and I like less than half of you as well as you deserve. And secondly, I've called you all together to celebrate my birthday. Or I should say our birthday, for it is, of course, also the birthday of my nephew and heir, Frodo. He comes of age and comes into his inheritance today. Hear that, what mean inheritance? I don't know, Lobelia, but I don't like the sound of it at all. Together, our years total 144. Your numbers were chosen to fit this remarkable total. One gross, if I may use the expression. One gross, indeed. Nasty, vulgar expression. Thirdly and finally, I wish to make an announcement. I regret to announce that although, as I said, Eleventy-one years is far too short a time to spend among you. This is the end. I'm going. I'm leaving. Now. Goodbye. Where did he go? He vanished. Oh, one minute he was there, and it's his car. Yeah. How did he do it? Did see How extremely bad-mannered. He's mad. I always said so mad. While Bilbo Baggins was making his speech, he had been fingering a golden ring in his pocket, the very ring that Gollum had once possessed and lost. And as he said goodbye, he slipped it on his finger, vanished, and was never seen by any hobbit in Hobbiton again. He walked briskly back indoors and changed into some travelling clothes. Ah, Gandalf. I wonder if you'd come to see me off. I'm glad to find you visible, Bilbo. Oh. <laughs> mm. I suppose you feel that everything has gone off splendidly and according to plan? Well, yes, I do. Mm. But that last firework was rather surprising. It quite startled me. A little addition of your own, I suppose. It was. You wisely kept that ring secret all these years, and it seemed to me necessary to give your guests something else that would seem to explain your sudden vanishment. You're an interfering old busybody. <laughs> But I expect you know best, as usual. I do, when I know anything. But I I don't feel too sure about this whole affair. Are you going any further with it? Yes, I am. I feel I need a holiday, a very long holiday. 
Probably a permanent holiday. I don't expect I shall return. Hmm? In fact, I don't mean to. Why, Bilbo? Ah, I'm old, Gandalf. I don't look it, but I'm beginning to feel sort of stretched, like butter that has been scraped over too much bread. I can't be right. Mm-hmm. No, it doesn't seem right. No, I believe your plan probably is for the best. Well, I've made up my mind anyway. I want to see the mountains again, and then find somewhere where I can rest in peace and quiet without a lot of relatives prying around and a string of confounded visitors hanging on the bell. And Dot? Yes? You'll keep an eye on Frodo for me, won't you? Yes, I will. Two eyes, as often as I can spare them. He would come with me, of course, if I asked him. But he doesn't really want to yet. He's still in love with the Shire, with woods and fields and little rivers. Anyway, he ought to be comfortable here. I'm leaving everything to him. Everything? The ring as well? Well, uh, yes, yes, I, I suppose so. Where is it? In an envelope, if you must know. There, on the mantelpiece. Where, Bilbo? I don't see it. What? Oh, bless my soul. No, no, no. No, it's, it's here. It's here in my pocket. Now, isn't that odd? Oh. Well, then, after all, why not? Why shouldn't it stay there? No, 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 no. There's no need to get angry about it. I'm angry because it's mine. It's my own. My precious. Ah. Yes. My precious. Ah. It's been called that before, but not by you. Well, I must say it now. Even if that horrid golem creature said the same once, it's not his now. He lost it, and I found it, and now it belongs to me, and I shall keep it. If you say that again, Bilbo, I shall get angry. And then you shall see Gandalf the Grey uncloaked. But the ring is mine, isn't it? I mean, I, I found it. And Gollum would have killed me if I hadn't kept it and used it to escape from him. The Hobbit, the Hobbit must, must have a competition with us precious. If it answers the riddle and we doesn't answer, then we does what it wants and shows it to my eyes. If precious are. Then it doesn't answer them. <laughs> then we eat it, my precious. All right. <laughs> ask us, ask us, ask us a little. Uh, what have I got in my pocket? <laughs> not fair! Not fair! That's not a riddle. It isn't fair, my precious. It isn't fair to ask us what it's got in its mouth, the little pocket. What have I got in my pocket? Must give us three guesses. My precious three guesses. Very well. Guess away. Hanses. Wrong. Yes. Guess again. Knife. Wrong. Last guess. Come on, time's up. Sing or nothing. Both wrong. Now you must show me the way out of here. Did we say so? Precious. Show the nasty little baggins is the way out But what has it got in its pockets to say? Nothing, precious, but not nothing. Never you mind. A promise is a promise. Cross it is. Impatient, precious. But what? Why? Oh, no. 
what's in his pockets? He's gone. We purchased. We've lost it. Yes. He found it. Yes. He must have. Curse the buttons. I'm not a thief, whatever he said. I've never called you one, and I'm not one either. I'm not trying to rob you, but to help you. I'm sorry, but I felt so strange. You see, the ring has been growing on my mind lately. I'm always wanting to put it on and disappear, or wondering if it's safe, and pulling it out to make sure. Sometimes I felt it was like an, like an eye looking at me. Then go away and leave it behind. Stop possessing it. Give it to Frodo and I will look after him. All right, I will. After all, that's what this party business was all about, really. To give away lots of presents and somehow make it easier to give it away at the same time. It hasn't made it any easier in the end, but it would be a pity to spoil the joke. <laughs> Very well, the ring goes to Frodo with all the rest. And I, I really must be starting, or somebody else will catch me. Bilbo? Yes? You still have the ring in your pocket. What? Well, that's my so, so I have. It's still in the envelope with my will. You better take it and deliver it for no. me. No, 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 don't give the ring to me. Put it on the mantelpiece. It'll be safe enough there till Frodo comes. I shall wait for him. All right, if you say so. There. <laughs> well, that's that, then. And now I'm off. Oh, what fun. Goodbye, dear Gandalf. Goodbye for the present, Bilbo. Take care of yourself. Don't worry about me. I'm as happy now as I've ever been. Goodbye. The road goes ever on and on, down from the door where it began. Now far ahead the road has gone, and I must follow if I can. Goodbye, my dear brother, until our next meeting. Until it joins some larger way, where many paths and errands Is he gone? Yes, he's gone at last. Oh, dear, I wish... I mean... Well, I hoped until this evening that it was only a joke, but I knew in my heart that he really meant to go. He always used to joke about serious things. I wish I'd come back sooner. Just... Just to see him off. I really think he preferred slipping off quietly in the end. Yes. Don't be too troubled. He'll be all right now. Uh, he left a packet for you. There it is. You'll find his will and all the other documents in there, and I fancy you'll also find a golden ring. The ring? Oh, has he left me that? I wonder why. Still, 
It may be useful. It may, and it may not. You must be careful of that ring. I should not make use of it if I were you. Keep it safe and keep it secret. Why? What do you know already? Oh, only what Bilbo told me. But what did he tell you, I wonder? He told me the truth. Not that old story about its having been a present. <laughs> yes, it was odd that he should have invented that. But odd things happen to people who have such treasures. If they use them... Let it be a warning to you to be very careful with it. It may have other powers than just making you vanish when you wish to. I don't understand. No. Neither do I. I've merely begun to wonder about the ring. You're being very mysterious. What are you afraid of? I'm not certain. So I'll say no more. I may be able to tell you something when I come back. Uh Come back? You're going away too? Yes, and I must go at once. At once? But, but, but why? I thought you were staying on for at least a week. I intended to, but I've had to change my mind. Well, how long will you be gone? It may be for some while, Frodo, but I'll come and see you again as soon as I can. Look out for me, especially at unlikely times. So take care of yourself. And remember what I said about the ring... Keep it safe and keep it secret. Goodbye. Goodbye, Gandalf. Keep it safe and keep it secret. Seventeen years passed, and Frodo all but forgot the ring. But the Dark Lord Sauron had not forgotten it. And learning from Gollum that a ring of power had been found by Baggins of the Shire bent his mind to find it again. Riders of Mordor, the Lord Sauron commands, seek for the Shire, find Baggins. <laughs> The nine black riders gallop out of Mordor to begin their quest. While in the Shire, Frodo was oblivious to the interest being shown in the name of Baggins. Ho, 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 to the bottle I go. To heal my heart and drown my woe. Good health, Bilbo, wherever you are. Hello, Frodo. Uh, all well, eh? All well. <clears throat> Though I've missed seeing my friend Gandalf. C come in, come in. Thank you, Frodo. Well, <laughs> you look the same as ever. So do you. Or as far as I can remember. <laughs> yes, yes. It's been too long. I thought you'd abandoned the Shire forever. But I expect you've had more important people to visit than hobbits. Important, yes, but... Not necessarily more important. In fact, my visit now is of the utmost importance. I'm sorry, Gandalf, I don't understand. The ring, Frodo. Bilbo's ring. It's dangerous. Far more dangerous than even I had guessed. 
But such matters are best left until daylight. <coughs> we'll talk about it in the morning. All right. Hmm. That was an excellent breakfast, Frodo. Good. Now. Oh, uh, how about a pipe before we talk? Hmm? Oh, splendid. <laughs> I once told Bilbo... The one thing I miss about the Shire when I'm not there, apart, of course, from having breakfast with an agreeable hobbit, is its pipeweed. Well, now, which would you like? Uh, see, Longbottom Leaf or Old Toby? Uh, <laughs> or Southern Star? Uh, uh, I used to smoke Old Toby with Bilbo, so let it be that. Right. Help yourself. Thank you, Frodo. Hmm. Sam's at work early, I see. Yes. You're a great fellow, Sam. He manages the garden by himself now. Gaffer's getting on. Now, Gandalf, last night you began to tell me that you thought the ring was dangerous. If it is, then I must know in what way. Mm -hmm. In many ways. It's far more powerful than I ever dared to suppose. So powerful that in the end it would utterly overcome anyone of mortal race who possessed it. It would possess him. How do you mean, possess him? A mortal, Frodo, who keeps one of the rings of power, does not die. Hmm? He doesn't grow or obtain more life. He merely continues until at last every minute is weariness. And if he often uses the ring to make himself invisible, he fades. He becomes, in the end, permanently invisible and walks in twilight under the eye of the dark power that rules the rings. How terrifying. And Bilbo, how much did Bilbo know about all this? Very little, I'm sure. It seemed to him that something was wrong or odd, but uh, he thought it was himself. He said he felt stretched, but he didn't suspect that the ring was to blame for the fact that he showed no signs of age. But it was an indication that the ring was getting control. But there wasn't any permanent harm done, was there? He would get all right in time, wouldn't he? I don't think you need worry about Bilbo. Of course, he possessed the ring for many years and used it and lied to others about how he came by it, so it may take a long while for the influence to wear off. But the important thing is what he gave it up in the end of his own accord. No... No, once he'd let the thing go, I wasn't troubled about dear Bilbo anymore. No, it's... It's for you that I feel responsible. Me? Yes. You and all these charming, absurd, helpless hobbits. It would be a grievous blow if all the jolly, stupid, bulgers, boffins and bagginses became enslaved. But, but what? You don't know the real peril yet. But you shall. Give me the ring for a moment. Oh. There. Mm. I spoke of there being rings of power, for there were many. Some more potent and some less. They were forged by the elven smiths long ago. The lesser rings were only essays in the craft, but the great rings, they were perilous. Is this one of them? No. The great rings had each a gemstone. This ring, you see, is quite plain and unadorned. But then is it one of what you call the lesser rings? No, I think not. 
Frodo, can you see any markings on it at all? Um, no. Well, then, let's see what a little fire will reveal. But, Gandalf, my ring! It will be damaged! Wait. But, Gandalf, the fire! Wait! Now, let's look at the ring. Take it, Frodo. Go on, go on, go on. It's quite cool. Take it. Now, hold it up and look closely. Well, what do you see? There, there are fiery letters. Outside and inside. But I cannot read them. No, but I can. The letters are elvish. But the language is that of Mordor. One ring to rule them all. One ring to find them. One ring to bring them all. And in the darkness, bind them. What does it mean, Gandalf? It's only two lines of a verse long known in elven lore. Three rings for the elven kings under the sky. Seven for the dwarf lords in their halls of stone. Nine for mortal men doomed to die. One for the dark lord on his dark throne in the land of Mordor where the shadows lie. One ring to rule them all. One ring to find them, one ring to bring them all, and in the darkness bind them in the land of Mordor where the shadows lie. This is the master ring, the one ring to rule them all. This is the one ring lost many years ago to the great weakening of its maker's power. Now... He greatly desires to have it again. But he must not get it. What I don't understand, Gandalf, is whose ring this is if it is not one of the elven rings. This ring was made to rule the elven rings. It was made, Frodo, by Sauron the Great, the Dark Lord of Mordor. It's he who is seeking it. But stories are told of Sauron's fall long, long um, ago. That is so, but always, after a respite, the shadow takes another shape and grows again. He's fast becoming very strong. And he lacks but one thing to give him strength and knowledge to beat down all resistance, break the last defences, and cover all the lands in darkness. He lacks the one ring. But what of the other rings which that first spoke of? Three of them, the fairest of all, the elf lords hid from him. The others Sauron took, and gave seven to the dwarf kings, who used them for getting great wealth. Nine he gave to mortal men, proud and great, and so ensnared them. The wearers of the nine are now fell servants of the Dark Lord, ringwraiths in his power. It's many years since they walked abroad. Yet who knows, as the shadow grows once more, they too may walk again. And the one ring was his. He made it and wore it. But how did he come to lose it if he was so strong? It's ancient history and a long story. It was Gil-galad, the elven king, 
and Elendil of Westerness, who overthrew Sauron, though they themselves perished in the deed. But Isildur, Elendil's son, cut the ring from Sauron's hand and took it for his own. Thus was Sauron vanquished, for a while at least. But the ring, what happened to the ring? The ring was lost. Isildur was marching north when he was waylaid by orcs, and almost all his followers were slain. He leapt into the waters of the great river Anduin, but the ring slipped from his finger as he swam, and then the orcs saw him and killed him with arrows. And there, in the river, the ring passed out of knowledge and legend. But I think I can now carry on the story. Long after Isildur lost the ring, but still long ago, a hobbit-like folk lived beside the river. One day, the two of them were fishing in the river. They were called Smigol and Digol. And Digol it was who found the ring. Oh. What a beautiful thing. How could anyone have lost such a treasure? What is that, Digol? Nothing. Oh, yes, it is. It's mine. I found it. Give us it, Digol, my love. Why? Because it's Smeagol's birthday, my love, and he wants it. I don't care. I've given you a present already. I found this, and I'm going to keep it. Oh, are you indeed, my love? Ah, <laughs> oh, you indeed. And now, the pretty ring belongs to Smeagol. Smeagol kept the ring and used it to thieve and find out secrets. He took to muttering to himself and gurgling in his throat, so they called him Gollum. Gollum? Mm. <gasps> Do you mean that this is the very Gollum creature that Bilbo met? Yes. He took to living in the dark passages beneath the misty mountains, where in time his torment became unbearable. He hated the dark, but he hated the light more. He hated everything. And the ring, most of all. Well, then why didn't he get rid of it or, or go away and leave it? He had no will left in the matter. A ring of power looks after itself, Frodo. Its keeper never abandons it. And when Gollum lost the ring, it was really the ring that left him. What, just in time to meet Bilbo? Bilbo was meant to find the ring, but not by its maker. Hmm. What about Gollum? What happened to him? The elves have him now in prison. But not before he made great mischief. After he lost the ring, Gollum left the mountains to seek his precious and the hobbit who'd robbed him of it. But before Gollum could find Bilbo, Sauron found Gollum. And that is how he will have learned that the one has been found again. He has at last heard of hobbits and the Shire. And I fear that he may even think that the long unnoticed name of Baggin has become important. Oh, but, but this is terrible. What a pity Bilbo did not kill Gollum when he had a chance. Pity? It was pity that stayed his hand. One reason why Bilbo took so little hurt from the evil of the ring was because he began his ownership with pity. I'm sorry, but I'm frightened. And I do not feel any pity for Gollum. You must understand that Gollum is bound up with the fate of the ring. 
My heart tells me that he may yet have some part to play, for good or ill. And when that comes, the pity of Bilbo may rule the fate of many. Yours not least. But why did the ring come to me? Why was I chosen? Not for power or wisdom. But you have been chosen. And must therefore use such strength and heart and wits as you have. But I have so little of those things. Gandalf, hmm? you are wise and powerful. Will you not take the ring? No, no, no. No. Do not tempt me. I dare not take it. With that power, I should have power too great and terrible. Then why don't I destroy it? How would you do that? Well... I suppose one could hammer it or no, melt it. Or something. The heaviest hammer would make no dint in it, nor would the hottest fire melt it. You saw how your own small fire failed to even heat it. Yes. If you really wish to destroy it... I do, Gandalf, I do. Then there is only one way. Cast it into the cracks of doom, in the depths of Orodruin, the fire mountain, in the land of Mordor where the ring was forged. Gandalf, I am not made for perilous quests. But I see that I cannot keep the ring and stay here. I ought to leave Bag End, leave the Shire, leave everything and go away. And I suppose I must go alone. <laughs> My dear Frodo... Hobbits really are amazing. Hmm. And I'm afraid you're right. For your sake, as well as for others, you will have to go. But I don't think you need go alone. Not if you know of anyone you can trust. But <clears throat> be careful in choosing. What? The enemy has many spies. What, what, what's the matter, Gandalf? Oh, I... Bless my beard. Sam Gamgee. And what might you be doing under Mr. Frodo's window? Lord bless you, Mr. Gandalf, sir. Nothing! Leastways, I, I, I was just trimming the grass borers, if you follow me. I don't. How long have you been eavesdropping? I'm begging your pardon, sir, but there ain't no eaves at Bag End, and that's fact. Don't be a fool. What have you heard? Why did you listen? Well, Mr. Frodo, sir, don't let him hurt me, sir. Don't let him turn me into anything unnatural. My old dad would take on so. I mean no harm on my honour, sir. He won't hurt you. But just you up and answer his questions straight away. Well, sir, I heard a deal that I didn't understand about uh, an enemy and rings and, and a fiery mountain and elves, sir. I listened because I couldn't help myself, if you know what I mean. I do love tales of that sort and believe them, too. I dearly love to see some elves, sir. What else did you hear? Well, Mr. Frodo is going away, sir. And that's why I choked, which you heard seemingly. I tried not to, sir, but it burst out of me. I was so upset. It can't be helped, Sam. I have to go. But if you really care about me, you will keep that a dead secret. See? If you don't, if you even breathe a word of what you've heard, then then I hope Gandalf will turn you into a spotted toad well, no, and fill the garden full of grass snakes. Oh, no, sir! I have thought of something better than that. 
No, Mr. Gannon, so please. Something to shut your mouth and punish you properly for listening. You shall go away with Mr. Frodo. Me, sir? Me go and see Elsinore? <laughs> oh, hooray, <laughs> sir! <laughs> Gandalf stayed in the Shire for over two months. Then one evening at the end of June, he made a sudden announcement. I'm leaving tomorrow, Frodo. Oh. Only for a short while, I hope. But I'm going down beyond the southern borders to get some news, if I can. I've been idle longer than I should. Has anything happened? Well, no, but I've heard something that has made me anxious and needs looking into. I think you should leave as soon as possible now. I thought I'd go on September the 22nd. It will be my 50th birthday and Bilbo's 128th. That seems somehow a proper date on which to set out and follow the old fellow. Very well, but it must not be any later. It's almost the end of June already. How long will you be, Gandalf? I shall come back immediately, or at least send word. At the very latest, I'll be back by your birthday. I think, after all, you may need my company on the road. Will it be that dangerous? It may be. One thing you must remember. When you go, you must leave the name of Baggins behind you. I'll give you a travelling name. When you go, go as Mr. Underhill. And in the meanwhile, do take care. Don't let out any hint of where you're going. Underhill. But where am I to go? <laughs> I've been so taken up with the thoughts of leaving Bag End and of saying farewell that I've never even considered the direction. If you want my advice, make for the house of Elrond Half-Elven at Rivendell. That journey shouldn't prove too perilous, though the road is less easy than it was, and it'll grow worse as the year fails. Rivendell. Very good. I will go east, and I will make for Rivendell. I will take Sam to visit the elves. He will be delighted. Well, see that he doesn't talk. If he does, I really shall turn him into a toad. <laughs> and so Gandalf rode away journeying to the southern borders of the Shire, where he heard news of the black shadow that disturbed him greatly. He turned then east and north, and so journeyed towards the village of Bree. Gandalf! Gandalf! Gandalf the Grey! Yes? It is I, Radagast. Radagast the Brown. Radagast! What are you doing here? Oh, seeking you. All I knew was that you might be found in a wild region with the uncouth name of Shire. It is the Shire, and you are near its borders now, but why are you seeking me? It must be pressing, for you are never a traveller, Radagast, unless driven by great need. I have an urgent errand, and my news is evil. Hmm? The Nazgul, the Nine, they are abroad again. Ah. They have crossed the river secretly and are moving westward. They have taken the guise of riders in black. The enemy must have some great need or purpose, but what it is that makes him look to these distant and desolate parts, I cannot guess. Who told you this, and who sent you? The head of our order, Saruman the White. Oh, and he also told me to say that if you feel the need, he will help. But you must seek his aid at once, or it will be too late. I will go to Saruman. Then you must go now, Gandalf, for I have wasted time in looking for you, and the days are running short. I was told to find you before midsummer. And that is now here. Even if you set out now, you will hardly reach Saruman before the Nine discover the land they seek. I myself shall turn back at uh, once. Uh, uh, Radagast, stay a moment. We shall need your help. 
and the help of all things that will give it. You are wise in the lore of beasts and birds. Send out messages to all of them that are your friends. Tell them to bring news of anything that bears on this matter to Saruman and Gandalf at Isengard. Yes, I will do that. Fare you well, Gandalf. Leaving a message with the innkeeper at Bree to be sent on to Frodo, Gandalf rode south to Isengard, a circle of sheer rocks that enclosed a valley in the midst of which stood a tower of stone called Orthanc. While in the Shire, Frodo still watched and waited for him, and the news that Mr Baggins was up to something began to get about. Wargather, is it true? Aye, Daddy too, but it is true. Mr Frodo's selling bag end. Sold it, in fact, to those cousins of his, the Sackville Bagginses. And for a nice bit, I'll be bound. More likely for a bag and price if Mistress Lobelia's the buyer. <laughs> Poor old Otho. If only he'd lived a few more years, he'd have been master of bag end after all. Ah. Not that I wish to speak ill of the dead Ted Sandiman, but I, for one, say the fewer Sackville Bagginses a bag end, the better. <laughs> right. Mistress Lobelia and that there son of hers would be enough for me. So, uh, Where's Mr. Frodo off to, Gaffer? He's going back to live among his folk in Buckland. <laughs> I can't think why. They're queer folk in Buckland. He'll be well at home there, then. He's as cracked as old Bilbo Baggins was. <laughs> There's naught wrong with Mr. Frodo, nor those friends of his in Buckland. Tuk, Mr. Peregrine Took and Mr. Merry Adock Brandybuck. Brandybuck. Oh, my Sam says Mr. Merry has found Mr. Frodo a little house in Crook Hollow. But what will your Sam do now, Gaffer? Will Mr. Slobelia keep him on his garden or a bag end? No need. He's going with Mr. Frodo to look after his bit of garden there. Oh. <laughs> you know what, Gaffer? That son of yours is acting like he's as cracked as the Baggins is. <laughs> it was late one evening in July when Gandalf arrived at Isengard and was met by Saruman, who led him up to his chamber high in the tower Orthanc. I have come for your aid, Saruman the White. Have you indeed, Gandalf the Grey? For aid? It has seldom been heard of that Gandalf the Grey sought for aid. One so cunning and so wise. Wandering about the lands and concerning himself in every business, whether it belonged to him or not. If I am not deceived, things are now moving, which will require the union of all our strength. That may be so, but the thought is late in coming to you. What brings you now from your lurking place in the Shire? The nine have come forth again. They have crossed the river. So Radagast said to me, Radagast the brown, Radagast the bird tamer, Radagast the simple, Radagast the fool. Yet he had just the wit to play the part that I set him, for you have come and that was all the purpose of my message. And here you will stay, Gandalf the Grey, for I am Saruman the wise, Saruman of many colors. I like white better. White. It serves as a beginning. White cloth can be dyed, the white page can be overwritten, and the white light can be broken. In which case it is no longer white, and he that breaks a thing to find out what it is has left the path of wisdom. I have not brought you here to be instructed by you, but to give you a choice. What choice do you speak of, Saruman? The elder days are gone. The middle days are passing, younger days are beginning. The time of the elves is over, but our time is ahead. The world of men which we must rule. But we must have power. Power to order all things as we will for that good which only the wise can see. Listen, Gandalf, my old friend and helper. I said we, for we it may be if you join with me. A new power is rising. Against it, the old allies and policies will not avail us at all. This, then, is the choice before you, before us. 
we may join with that power. It would be wise, Gandalf. How could it ever be wise to join with Sauron, our enemy? There is hope that way. His victory is at hand and there will be rich reward for those who aided it. Yes, Saruman, I have heard speeches of this kind before but only in the mouths of emissaries sent from Mordor to deceive the ignorant. I cannot think that you brought me so far only to weary my ears. Well, I see that this wise course does not commend itself to you. Not yet. Not if some better way can be contrived. What better way? The ruling ring. And why not, Gandalf, why not? The power would pass to us if we could but command it. Saruman, only one hand at a time can wield the one ring, and you know that well. So don't trouble to say we. I have many eyes in my service, Gandalf, and I believe that you know where this precious thing now lies. Well, is it not so? Now that I learn your mind, I will not even give you news of it. You are a fool. Well, your choices are, it seems, to submit to Sauron or to submit to you. I will take neither. Have you others to offer? Yes. The third choice is to stay here. You shall contemplate your folly from the highest pinnacle of the Tower of Orthanc. Until the end. Until what end? Until you reveal to me where the One Ring may be found. Or until it is found in spite of you. Candle! Gwai here! Windlord, swiftest of all eagles. Why come you here? I am sent to Orthanc with a message of import. What message, Gwaihir? Dark tidings, Gandalf. Wolves are gathering, orcs are mustering, and the nine riders go hither and thither in the lands. The eagles of the mountains have seen these things, and learnt also that the golem creature has escaped from the elves' captivity. How did you know where to seek me? Radagast the Brown told us to bring whatever news we saw or heard to you at Isengard. Ah, then Radagast is not a traitor. I was bid by Radagast to seek both Gandalf the Grey and Saruman the White at Orthanc. Why find I Gandalf alone upon this perilous height? And why speak you of traitors? For two months I've been imprisoned as a fly in the web of a treacherous spider, Gwaihir. Saruman? Saruman is no longer Saruman the White. He is now Saruman of many colors. He seeks either to join forces with the Dark Lord of Mordor or to find for himself sufficient power to rule in his stead. This is indeed evil news, Gandalf. So it is, Gwaihir. But even the most subtle spider may leave a weak thread. Radagast he called a simpleton and a fool. Radagast the bird tamer he named him. But because of Radagast, Gwaihir the Windlord has come to me in my darkest hour. No mortal tames the eagles of the mountains, not even Radagast or Gandalf. But I will carry you to freedom, since I do not wish to serve any Saruman of many colors. Take hold of my talons. Huh? We are seen, Gandalf. I must fly with great speed. How far can you carry me? Many leagues, but not to the ends of the earth. I was sent to bear tidings, not burdens. Then I must have a steed on land. 
and a steed surpassing swift flight had never had need of such haste before. Then I will bear you to Edoras, where the Lord of Rohan sits in his halls. But that is not very far off, and there are no horses like those that are bred by the Rohirrim, the horse lords of Rohan. Gwaihir the Windlord carried Gandalf to Edoras in the land of Rowan, to the halls of Theoden, king of the Mark. Hail Theoden, son of Thengil. Why comes Gandalf the Grey unlooked for to my halls? I have come to seek the aid of the Rohirrim and their king. I have never heard before that Gandalf sought the aid of any man. Storm clouds are gathering, Theoden. And when the storm breaks, nowhere in Middle-earth will be safe from its fury. Not even Theoden's halls. I know not what storm you speak of, wandering wizard. Then you know not of the rise of the enemy in Mordor, or of the treachery of Saruman the White? Grima, faithful counsellor, what say you of Gandalf Stormcrow's words? I say Saruman is our ally against the dark lord of Mordor, King Theoden. And we should not parley with any who call him traitor. Mm. It is, I believe, as Grima says. Rohan has no welcome for the warmonger. I seek not war, Theoden. But if it comes, others than I will draw its bloody sword in Rohan. But if you will not help me, then at least lend me a steed that I may ride elsewhere in search of aid. Very well, Gandalf. Take a horse and be gone. Gandalf strode from Theoden's golden hall and went in search of a steed to carry him back to the Shire. And at Isengard, Saruman was suddenly faced with another unexpected turn of events. Come forth, Saruman, that we may speak with thee. Who calls thus on Saruman in such rude fashion? I am the lord of the Nazgul. Servant of Sauron the Great. What seek you here? We seek knowledge, Saruman. Knowledge of how we may find that part of Middle-earth which is known as the land of the halflings. It is not a land that you look for. I know what you seek, though you do not name it. I have it not, as surely its servants perceive without telling, for if I had it, then you would bow before me and call me Lord. I know nothing of this thing or of the land you seek. There is one, only, whom I guess to have this knowledge. Who? Mithrandir. He whom some call Gandalf. Gandalf the Grey. As it is but two days since this enemy of Sauron departed from Isengard, seek him nearby. Seek him we shall, Saruman. Come! But as the black riders of Mordor rode in search of Gandalf, they came upon another. Halt! Who rides that? I am Grima, and I ride in haste, my lord. Do not delay me. Why? What is your haste, and where are you bound? For Isengard, lord. Wherefore? I carry certain news to Saruman. What news? That Mithrandir has sought to counsel King Theoden against both Saruman and Sauron. Where is Mithrandir now? He seeks only a horse to return him to the land of the halflings. Know you of this land? 
Well, uh... Speak or die. Where is this land? Spare me. I will speak as swiftly as I may. West, through the gap of Rowan yonder. And then north and a little west. The Shire, they call it. Come, riders of Mordor. We will divide our company. Some to find this land and search it. Some to seek Mithrandia. Come, away! As the black riders rode away westward, Gandalf found on the plains of Rowan a horse suited to his needs. A horse that might have been foaled in the morning of the world. Light was his footfall, and swift as the flowing wind was he. By day his coat glistened like silver, and by night it was like a shade, so that he passed unseen. Shadowfax, they called him. Never before had any man mounted him, but Gandalf took him and tamed him, and swiftly he bore Gandalf north. On, Shadowfax, we must hasten. Time is short. So Gandalf rode north on Shadowfax, while in the Shire, Frodo, not knowing what had delayed his friend, decided he would wait no longer. Well, Mary, is everything ready? Yes. Two cartloads yesterday, full to overflowing, mm. and now another one. <laughs> I'm beginning to wonder if your new home will be big enough. Well, I've sold everything I could bear parting with to Lobelia, but some things I just had to take to remind me of Bagend and Bilbo. Well, I'd best be off. If I leave now, I can get to Crick Hollow and warm the house before you arrive. That's if you're quite sure you want to walk rather than go by cart. Quite sure. Then I'll see you the day after tomorrow. If you don't go to sleep on the way. <laughs> I'll try not to. I'll tell you one thing, Frodo. You had better settle when you get back to Buckland, because I, for one, am not helping you to move back again. What on earth makes you think Lobelia would ever sell Bag End back to me? Oh, she might. At a profit. Farewell, Frodo. And good walking. Poor Mary. What will you say when you learn the truth about all this? As the sun went down, Frodo, Pippin and Sam sat in the kitchen at Bag End. Mm. Mm. Our last meal at Bag End. Well, Sam and I will wash up if you want to have a last look round. Thank you, Pippin, but I think we'll leave the washing up for Lobelia. <laughs> <laughs> I've already taken a last look round. Everywhere looks so sad and gloomy and dishevelled. So, we might as well start. Our packs are already in the porch, Mr Frodo. Well done, Sam. It looks as though it's going to be a fine night. Well, that's good for a beginning. <sighs> I wish I knew what was delaying Gandalf. Anyway, I must start and he must follow. Mm. <sighs> well, goodbye, dear old bag end. <coughs> <laughs> Well, then, we're off at last. Well, haven't you got a song for the occasion, Fred? Uh, uh, well, yes, there's one that might suit. Upon the hearth? Mm. Yes. Upon the hearth, the fire is red. Beneath the roof, there is a bed. But not yet weary are our feet. Still round the corner we may meet. A sudden tree or standing stone That none have seen but we alone Tree and flower and leaf and grass 
Let them pass, oh let them pass. The hobbits had scarcely gone when a dark and sinister hooded rider rode up Bagshot Row and arrived at Gaffer Gamgee's home. Yes? Who's there? Who is it? What do you want at this time of night? Baggins. I'm looking for Baggins. Where is Baggins? What's Mr. Baggins's business to do with you? A friend of his is looking for him. Well, you don't look like any friend of Mr. Baggins's I've ever seen. Answer my question. Where is Baggins? There's no one at his house. Why? Well, for a good reason. Mr. Baggins has gone away. Where did Baggins go? That ain't no secret. He's moved to Crick Hollow or some such place, away down yonder. Is it far? Yes, it is a tidy way. I've never been so far myself. They're queer folk down there. If you see him, you'll give him a message from me. I'm not taking no orders from you nor no one. Not even if you are a friend of Mr. Baggins, which I doubt. Now, good night to you. After they'd been walking for about three hours, Fredo, Pippin and Sam made camp in the deep resin-scented darkness of a patch of fir wood. Night passed, and the morning came, pale and clammy. (coughs) Walking for pleasure. Why didn't I go by cart with Mary? My neck's stiff and I feel as though I... A hole in my back. And all my beautiful feather beds sold to the sackful Bagginses. These tree roots would do them good. Wake up, hobbits. It's a beautiful morning. What's beautiful about it? Sam, get breakfast ready for half past nine. Have you got the bath water, Hobbit? No, no, sir. I haven't. It's all right, Sam. Mr. Pippin is pulling your leg. Come on, Pippin, up you get. You can help Sam get breakfast and then we must get started. I've never been this near the end of the Shire before, Mr. Perrin. What river is that down there? That's the Brandywine, Sam. And do elves live in those woods over there? In the woody end? Mm. No, not that I ever heard. This road goes on forever. When are we going to rest, Frodo? Frodo? The road goes ever on and on, down from the door where it began. Now, far ahead, the road has gone, and I must follow if I can, pursuing it with eager feet. Until it joins some larger way where many paths and errands meet. And whither then I cannot say. That sounds like a bit of old Bilbo's rhyming. Or is it one of your imitations? Hmm? I don't know. It came to me then as if as if I was making it up, but I may have heard it long ago. In any event, it doesn't sound altogether encouraging. No, I suppose not. Hmm. Bilbo often used to say there was only one road, that it was like a great river. Its springs were at every doorstep and every path was its tributary. 
It's a dangerous business going out of your door, he used to say. You step into a road, and if you don't keep your feet, there is no knowing where you might be swept off to. Well, this road won't sweep me anywhere for an hour at least. It's time for a rest, and if you fellows won't wait, well, then you must go on without me. <laughs> Farewell, we call to hearth and hall. The wind may blow and rain may fall. We must away. Begging your pardon, Mr. Furrow. I can hear a, a pony or a horse coming along the road behind. I wonder if that's Gandalf coming after us. It may not matter much, but I would rather not be seen on the road by anyone. I'm sick of my doings being noticed and discussed, and if it is Gandalf, we can give him a little surprise to pay him out for being so late. Let's get out of sight. Mm -hmm. One ring to bring them all, and in the darkness, find This is the master ring, the one ring to rule them all. This is the one ring lost many years ago to the great weakening of its maker's power. Now, he greatly desires to have it again, but he must not get it. The ring... The ring. Put on the ring. Remember what I said about the ring? Keep it safe and keep it secret. Who was it? I don't know. What did you see, Mr. Frodo? It was a man, I think wrapped in a black cloak and hood so that his face was shadowed and invisible. All I could see was his boots in the high stirrups. What was he looking for? I can't say why, but I feel certain he was looking for... or smelling for me. Yes, and I feel certain that I did not want him to discover me. I have never seen or felt anything like it in the Shire before. But what has one of the big people got to do with us? And what is he doing in this part of the world? I don't know. But I wish I'd waited for Gandalf. But then, perhaps it would only have made matters worse. Then you know or guess something about this rider? Hmm? I don't know, and I... I would rather not guess. All right, Cousin Frodo. You can keep your secret for the present if you want to be mysterious. In the meanwhile, what are we to do? I think we will move on now. We ought to do a good step more today. Buckland is still many miles away. But we must keep off the road in case that rider comes back. Mm. Yes, I'm going to cut straight across country from here. Shortcuts make long delays. The country's rough round here and there are bogs and all kinds of difficulties. And if you're worrying about meeting that rider, then I can't see that it would be any worse meeting him on a road than in a wood or a field. Pippin, it is less easy to find people in the woods and fields, and if you're supposed to be on the road, there is some chance that you will be looked for on the road and not off it. All right. I'll follow you into every bog and ditch. But it is hard. 
I had counted on passing the golden perch at stock before sundown. Ah. The best beer in the east farthing of the Shire all mm. used to be. That settles it. Shortcuts make delays, but inns make longer ones. <laughs> at all costs, we must keep away from the golden perch. Uh, what do you say, Sam? I should go along with you, Mr. Fronald. Oh, then if we are going to toil through bog and briar, let's go... Oh. <laughs> If it was a bird, it was one I never heard in the Shire before. It was not bird or beast. It was a call or a signal. There were words in that cry, though I could not catch them, but no hobbit has such a voice. Come, sooner or later we must go on. It's better that we go sooner. Hello? I know these fields. What? This is Bam Furlong. Oh, Farmer Maggot's land. Uh, and that's his farm away there in the trees. Oh, no. One trouble after another. And what's wrong with old Maggot? He's a good friend to all the brandy bucks. Of course, he's a terror to trespassers and keeps ferocious dogs. But after all, folk down here are near the border and have to be more on their guard. All the same, I'm terrified of him and his dogs. And I've avoided his farm for years and years. Why is that, Mr. Frodo? Well, he caught me trespassing after mushrooms several times when I was a youngster. And on the last occasion, he beat me and then took me and showed me to eat dogs. See, lads, he said, next time this young varmint sets foot on my land, you can eat him. Now see him <laughs> off. And they did. And I've never got over the fright. Well, then, it's time you made it up. Don't worry, Mr. Frodo. I won't let this farmer maggot do you no harm. If he tries, he'll have Sam Gamgee to reckon with. Thank you, Sam. Hello, hello. And who may you be? And what may you be wanting? Good afternoon, Mr. Maggot. Well, if it isn't Master Pippin. Oh, Mr. Peregrine Took, I should say. Yes. It's lucky for you that I know you. I was just going out to set my dogs on any strangers. There are some funny goings-on today. Of course, we do get queer folk wandering in these parts at times, too near the river. But this fellow was the most outlandish I ever set eyes on. Which fellow do you mean? Well, then you haven't seen him. Well, he went up the lane not a long while back. Well, he was a funny customer. He was asking funny questions. Oh, but, well, perhaps you'll come inside and we'll pass the news more comfortably. I, I have a drop of good ale on tap if oh, no, you yes. and your friends are willing, Mr. Took. Yes, well... Uh, what about the dogs? <laughs> they won't harm you. Not unless I tell them to. <laughs> Here, Grip. Grip, Fang. Heel. Heel, Wolf. Uh, can I introduce my friends? This is Sam Gamgee. How do you do, Sam? How do you do? Uh, and, and, and this is Mr. Frodo Baggins. Yes, you may not remember him, but he, he used to live in Buckland. Well, if that isn't queerer than ever. Mr. Baggins, is it? Oh, come inside. We must talk. Well, Sam, this makes up for missing the golden perch, eh? Yes, I suppose so, Mr. Peregrine. Um, I I'm afraid Sam here is rather suspicious of you, Farmer Maggot. <coughs> uh, well, you see, um, I told him the last time I came to visit you, you, 
gave me a beating to remember you by. <laughs> well, Sam, I, I'm sorry I beat your master, but he shouldn't have gone thieving my mushrooms. Oh, oh I remember yeah. you, Mr. Baggins. <laughs> anyway, that's all in the past. It wasn't mushrooms I was thinking of when Mr. Peregrine told me your name, Mr. Frodo. You see, I had just heard the name of Baggins before you turned up. How is that, Mr. Maggot? Well, it was like this. This this funny customer came riding in at the gate on a big black horse and right up to my door. All black he was himself, too, and cloaked and hooded up as if he did not want to be known. Good day to you, I says, going out to him. This lane don't lead anywhere, and wherever you may be going, your quickest way will be back to the road. The black fellow sat quite still, and then pointed back west, over, over my fields, if you please, he said, I come from yonder. Have you seen Baggins? Oh, be off, I said. There are no Bagginses here. You're in the wrong part of the Shire. You'd better go back west to Oberton. You can go by road this time. Baggins has left, he answered in a whisper. He is coming. He is not far away. I wish to find him. If he passes, will you tell me? I will come back with gold. Oh, no, you won't, I said. You'll go back where you belong, double quick. I give you one minute before I call all my dogs. And he gave a sort of hiss. We might have been laughing, and it might not. Then he spurred his great horse right at me, and I jumped out of the way only just in time. I called my dogs, but he swung off and rode through the gate like a bolt of thunder. Now, what do you think of that? I don't know what to think. Well, it's as plain as my nose that no accident brought you and that rider here on the same afternoon. And maybe my news was no great news to you after all. I'm not asking you to tell me anything you have a mind to keep to yourself, but I see you're in some kind of trouble. Yes, I'm afraid I may be. And since I must try to get to Crick Hollow before dark, we must be going. Oh, drink up, Sam. We're off again. Uh, look, Mr. Frodo, I I've a notion. It's nearly sundown, and we're going to have our supper. Mrs. Maggot's cooking bacon and mushrooms. Oh, <laughs> I dare say you still have a liking for mushrooms, Mr. Maggot's. Anyway, we'd be pleased if you could all stay and have a bite with us. Well, and oh. so should we, but... Well, really, you... Oh, no, 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 wait, wait a minute. I was going to say, after a bit of supper, I'll get out our small wagon, and I'll take you on your way. And that'll save you a step, and it might also save you trouble of another sort. Thank you, Mr. Maggot. That would be most kind. <laughs> it didn't take much to change his mind, did it? Bacon and what was it? Mushrooms. <laughs> yes, of course. <laughs> this mist is going to get worse, I'm thinking. And I'll not light my lanterns till I turn for home. We'll hear anything on the road long before we meet it. You know, Farmer Maggot, I've been in terror of you and your dogs for over 30 years, though you may laugh to hear it. It's a pity, for I've missed a good friend. Well, you should never have gone getting yourself mixed up with Hobbit and folk. I shouldn't be surprised if this trouble you're in now hasn't come from those strange doings of Mr. Bilbo. Anyway, I'm glad you've had the sense to come back to Buckland. And my advice is, stay here. Oh, there. Oh, someone's coming. You'd better be hidden, Mr. Crowe. Get down in the wagon, cover up the blanket. We'll soon send this rider to the right about. Hello there. Now then, don't you come a step nearer. What do you want? Who are you? Why, it's me, Mr. Maggot. 
Oh, Mr. Oh. Merry. Yes, of course. Who did you think it was? You can come out, Frodo. It was only Merry. Merry. Oh, thank goodness for that. What's all this about? And where did you find them, Mr. Maggot? In your duck pond? Oh, I, I call them trespassing. Oh, but they'll tell you the story, I've no doubt. Well, it's been a queer day and no mistake, but all's well that ends well, though <laughs> perhaps we should not say that till we reach our own doors. Mm. <laughs> oh, there now. I, I, I was nearly forgetting. Uh, Mrs. Maggot put this up for Mr. Baggins with her compliments. Oh, thank you, Mr. Maggot. Well, good night to you all. Good night, good Mr. Maggot. Night. Good night. What's in the basket, Frodo? Uh, mushrooms, if I'm not very much mistaken. <laughs> <laughs> Well, here we are. What do you think of it? I've done my best to make it look like home. It's, um... It's perfect, Mary. I hardly feel I've moved at all. What do you say, Sam? Just like Bag End it is, Mr. Frodo. <laughs> uh, I'll, I'll make some supper. Oh, good. Now then, what have you three been up to, and, and what was the matter with old Maggot? He sounded scared. We've all been scared, and you would have been too if you'd been chased by black riders. Black riders? What are they? Black figures riding on black horses. Cousin Frodo knows something more, but he's being close. Very well. I can't keep it to myself any longer. I've got something to tell you, but... Well, now I see how pleasant and comfortable and welcoming you've made this little place, Mary. I, I don't know how to begin. I think I can help you hmm? by telling you some of it myself. What do you mean? Well, just this, my dear old Frodo. You are miserable because you don't know how to say goodbye. You meant to leave the Shire, of course. But danger has come sooner than you expected, and now you are making up your mind to go at once, and you don't want to. But how, how, <laughs> I mean, Dear who... old Frodo, did you really think you'd thrown dust in all our eyes? You've not been nearly careful or clever enough for that. Yeah. Good heavens, I thought I'd been both careful and clever. I don't know what Gandalf would say. I mean, is all the Shire discussing my departure? Oh, no, 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 don't worry about that. The, the secret won't keep for long, of course, but at present it is, I think, known only to us conspirators. Anyway, the conspiracy has now been unmasked, and we're not going to let you escape so easily. But I must go. It cannot be helped. It is wretched for us all, but, but please help me and don't hinder me. You don't understand. Of course you must go. And therefore, so must we. What do you mean? I mean that Mary and I are coming with you. Sam is an excellent fellow and would jump down a dragon's throat to save you if he didn't trip over his own feet first. <laughs> but you'll need more than one companion in your dangerous adventure. My dear and most beloved hobbits, but I couldn't allow it. Oh, you speak of danger, but you do not know how deadly is that danger. Of course we know. And that is why we have decided to come. We know the ring is no laughing matter. Y yes, we know about the ring. We're going to do our best to help you against the enemy. But, well, I mean, is nothing safe? Not too safe, I should say. But if you want to be introduced to our chief investigator in our little conspiracy, I can produce him. Where is he? Step forward, Sam. Sa Here's our collector of information. Well, <coughs> Andy collected a lot, I can tell you, before he was finally caught. After which, I may say, he seemed to regard himself as on parole and dried up. Sam? Yes, sir. Begging your pardon, sir. But I meant no wrong to you, Mr. Frodo, nor to Mr. Gandalf, for that matter. And he has some sense, mind you. What is that supposed to mean? Why, sir, when you said go alone, he said no. Take someone as you can trust. But it doesn't seem that I can trust anyone. But, now, don't say that, Mr. Frodo, sir. Look, Frodo, it all depends on what you want. 
You can trust us to stick to you through thick and thin to the bitter end. And you can trust us to keep any secret of yours, closer than you keep it yourself. But you cannot trust us to let you face trouble alone. Anyway, there it is. We know most of what Gandalf has told you. We know a good deal about the ring. We are horribly afraid, but we are coming with you. Yes. Or follow you like hounds. You are a set of deceitful scoundrels. But bless you. Oh, I had so dreaded this evening. <laughs> the next morning, the hobbits rose early and prepared to set out. They saddled up four sturdy little ponies for riding and loaded their baggage onto a fifth. Well, Frodo, all is ready. Which way are we to head? For Rivendell and the house of Elrond Halfelven. But we must not go by road. The riders will be watching for us. Mm. So the only safe thing to do is to go off in a quite unexpected direction. Then we must go through the old forest and then on to Bree. And Merry must lead us, for he knows the forest better than any of us. That's settled then. Still, I wish Gandalf were with us all the same. Well, come on. Gandalf or no Gandalf, the sooner we leave the Shire and those riders behind, the better. Yes. To Rivendell, where elves yet dwell, in glades beneath the misty fell. Through moor and waste, we ride in haste, and whither then we cannot tell. With foes ahead, behind us tread, beneath the sky shall be our bed, until at last. Our toil be past, our journey done, our errands fed. To Rivendell, where else? Oh, that's Bree up ahead. Oh. Is there anywhere there we can stay? Uh, there's an inn, Frodo. The Prancing Pony, if I remember rightly. Oh, I must say it'll be good to find a fire and put a door between us and the night. Well, it may be all we could wish, Pippin. But it is outside the Shire all the same. Now, don't make yourselves too much at home. Oh, and please remember, all of you, that the name of Baggins must not be mentioned. I am Mr Underhill, if any name must be given. Yes, Sam. Why? What's the matter? But, surely, we, we aren't going to stay here, are we, sir? I mean, it's got three stories. <laughs> <laughs> Never mind. It will have to do. And I, I dare say it's home-like enough inside. All right, all right. I'm coming. Now, what's... Oh, good evening, little masters. What may you be wanting? Um... Uh, Beds for four and stabling for five ponies, if that can be managed. Oh, are you Mr Butterbur? That's right. Barleyman's my name. Barleyman Butterbur at your service. And your hobbits from the Shire, eh? <laughs> um, oh, now, now, what does that remind me of? Oh, might I ask your name, sir? Um, Mr Took and Mr Brandybuck. Okay. Yeah, do. Um, and this is Sam Gamgee. Good evening. <laughs> and um, my name is Underhill. Oh, uh, Mr Underhill... Uh, Oh, oh, there, now it's gone again. But it'll come back when I have time to think. I'm run off my feet, but I'll see what I can do for you. There's such a crowd already in the house tonight as there hasn't been for long enough. Still, it never rains but what it pours, as we say in Bree. Hi, Nob! 
Where are you, you woolly-footed slowcoach knob? They're coming. Now, where's Bob? Oh, I don't know, Mr. Butterbur. You don't know? Well, find him, double sharp. Oh, I haven't uh... got six legs nor six eyes, neither. I... Now, tell Bob there's five ponies that have to be stabled and he must find room somehow. Well, off you go. Oh, go uh, yeah, yeah, yes, Mr. Oh, Butterbur. Oh, dear, oh, dear, oh, dear. Yeah, well, now, what, what was I going to say? Now? Um, <clears throat> oh, I don't know. The trouble is, one thing drives out another, so to speak, and I'm that busy tonight, my head's going round. <laughs> anyway, it's a good job you're hobbits. Well, I don't know if we could house you, but we've got a room or two in the north wing that were made special for hobbits on the ground floor with round <laughs> windows and all, you know. <laughs> I hope you'll find them comfortable. Happy now, Sam? Oh, yes, Mr. Florida, that sounds most comfortable. <laughs> <laughs> and you'll be wanting supper, I don't doubt, as oh. soon as maybe. Oh, yes, yes, please. Yeah, very, very good. Well, come in, come in. Oh. You can go into the parlour. It's quiet in oh, there. Thank you. Well, you'll have to excuse me now. I'm that busy. Oh. More cheese to fill up the corners with, Mary? Ooh, no corners left, I'm afraid. <laughs> oh, begging your pardon for disturbing you, Mr. Underhill. That's all right, Mr. Butterbur. Well, we've, we've just finished, and it was an excellent meal. Here, here. Oh, good, I'm glad. But what I was wondering was whether you'd care to join the company when you'd supped. I mean, they'd be very pleased to welcome you if you had a mind. We don't often get outsiders, <laughs> travellers from the Shire, I should say. Mm. And we like to hear a bit of news, you know, or any story or song you may have in mind. So so join us, or not, as you please. Well, well thank you, Mr Butterbur. Perhaps we will. Well, no, I must be getting on again. Nob! Nob! Hmm. I think it might be quite pleasant to join the company for a while. What do mm. you fellows say? Mm. Oh, I dare say we could give them a song or two if they like. Well, I've got a tale or two. <clears throat> what about you, Mary? Oh, no, no. I, I shall sit here quietly by the fire for a bit and perhaps go out later for a sniff of the air. Mm. Now, mind your P's and Q's now. And don't forget that we are supposed to be escaping in secret and we're still not very far from the Shire. All right. And you mind yourself. Mm. Don't get lost. And don't forget that it's safer indoors. Mr. Butterbur, hmm? who's that strange-looking, weather-beaten man sitting by the wall, smoking a pipe? I don't think you introduced him. Oh, him. I don't rightly know. He's one of the wandering folk. Rangers, we call him. He disappears for a month or a year and then pops up again. What his right name is, I'd never heard, but he's known round here as Strider. Why is that? Well, on account of his going about at a great pace on those long shanks of his. <laughs> Though he don't tell nobody what cause he has to worry. You know, Mr. Andrew, it's funny you should ask about him, because I... Uh, oh, there's no peace for a body, and that's a fact. Half a minute, Mr. Underhill, I'll be back. Nob, where are you, lad? Master Underhill, will you join me for a moment? Oh, thank you. Uh, it is Underhill, isn't it? Only I wasn't sure if old Butterbur got your name right. Yes, he did. Well, Master Underhill, I'm called Strider, and I'm pleased to meet you. You know, drink, fire, and chance meetings are pleasant enough, but, um... Well, this isn't the Shire, and there are queer folk about, though I say it as shouldn't, you may think. <laughs> and there have been even stranger travellers through Bree lately, so if I were you... I should stop your friends from talking too much. You had better do something quick. Anyway, then he gets up and gets on the tent. And I, hello. We we would like to thank you all for your warm and um, 
most hospitable welcome to Bree. Ah, looks like Mr. Underhill's had too much of old Parliament's ale. Frodo, <laughs> I was in the middle uh, of telling a story. We are all very much gratified by the kindness of your reception. Um, and I venture to hope that our brief visit will help to renew the old ties of friendship between the Shire and Bree. <laughs> oh, well, uh... <coughs> Let's have a song, then. Oh, Come on, Mr. O'Neill. Oh, yeah. Up on the table, sing us a song. Oh, 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 oh. Come on now, Master. Sing us something that we haven't heard before. Oh, oh well... Well, very well. Uh, perhaps this will be new to you. There is an inn, a merry old inn, beneath an old grey hill. And there they brew a beer so brown that the man in the moon himself came down one night to drink his fill. <laughs> the ostler has a tipsy cat that plays a five-string fiddle. And up and down he runs his bow, now squeaking high, now purring low, now sawing in the middle. Sawing in the middle. The man in the moon was drinking deep, and the cat began to wail. A dish and a spoon on the table danced, the cow in the garden madly pranced, and the little dog chased his tail. The man in the moon took another mug and rolled beneath his chair. And there he dozed and dreamed of ale, and in the sky the stars were pale, and dawn was in the air. The cat and the fiddle play paid little diddle the jig that would waken the dead. He squeaked and soared and quickened the tomb while the landlord shook the man in the moon. It's after three, he said. With a ping and a pong, the fiddle sing broke, the cow jumped over the moon. And the little dog laughed to see such fun and the Saturday dish went off at the run with a silver Sunday spoon. Let's have that last verse again. Oh, with a ping and a pong, the fiddle strings broke, the cow jumped up. You can't! You jumped too high, Mr. Underhill! Where'd he go? He went slap through the floor! I seen him! Here! Fireman! Fireman, quick! No, then, no, then. What's all the rumpus about? Saw him! Or at least, face, I didn't see him, if you take my meaning. Mr. Underhill just vanished into thin air in a manner of speaking. You don't say, Mr. Mugmore. I do say. Well, there's some mistake somewhere. There's too much of that Mr. Underhill to go vanishing into thin air. Well, where's he now, then? Yeah, where is he? Well, how should I know? He's welcome to go where he will, so long as he pays in the morning. Well, I say I saw what I saw, and I saw what I didn't. And I say there's some mistake. Of, of course there's a mistake. I, I haven't vanished. Well, here I am. Now, what have you been doing, Mr. Underhill? You're frightening my customers and breaking my crocs with your acrobatics? Yes, I, I'm very sorry. It, it was <laughs> quite unintentional, I assure you. A, a most unfortunate accident. All right, all right, everybody, all right. Excitement's over. There's plenty of ale still to be drunk. <laughs> and I'll ask you, Mr. Underhill, not to be doing any more tumbling or conjuring or whatever it was <laughs> without warning us beforehand. Uh, I shan't be doing anything of the sort again, Mr. Buttonborough, I promise you. I hope not, Mr. Underhill. <laughs> We're a bit suspicious round here of anything out of the way. No! Well, Mr. Underhill, you have put your foot in it. Or should I say, your finger? I don't know what you mean. Oh, yes, you do. But we had better wait until things have settled down then, if you please, Mr. Baggins. I should like a quiet word with you. Who is this stranger, and what's he to do with us? My name is Strider, and I want to talk to you. What about? A matter of some importance, although, of course, I have my price. 
What do you mean? Don't be alarmed. I mean just this. I will tell you what I know and give you some good advice, but I shall expect a reward. Hmm. And what will that be, pray? No more than you can afford. All I ask is that you take me along with you. Oh, indeed. Is that all? Well, even if I wanted another companion, I shouldn't agree to any such thing until I knew a good deal more about you and your business. Excellent. Mm. You seem to be coming to your senses again, and that's all to the good. You've been much too careless so far. Very well. I will tell you what I know and leave the reward to you. All right. What do you know? I know you're a Frodo Baggins, and I also know what you are carrying out of the Shire. What? Now, now, don't mistake me. I shall take more care of your secret than you do, and care is needed. Black horsemen have passed through Bree, and believe me, they will return, and more are coming. There are others. I know these riders, and I know their number. There are folk in Bree who are not to be trusted, and it seems all too likely that by morning these riders will know of your little prank. It was sheer accident. I wonder. Anyway, that... Accident has made your position dangerous. I don't know why we behave so foolishly. We ought to have stayed quiet in here. And it would have been better, and I would have stopped you going in there if I could. But the innkeeper would not let me go in to see you. Do you think he knows anything? No. I don't think any harm of old Butterbur. Well, in any event... I intend to leave Bree at first light. But you dare not go by the open road, for the horsemen will watch it day and night, and even if you escape from Bree, you won't go far. They will come on you in the wild, in some dark place, where there is no help. Do you wish them to find you? They are terrible, Frodo. Terrible. But trust Strider, and he will take you by paths that are seldom trodden. Well, will you have him? With your leave, Mr. Frodo, I'd say no. This strider here, he says take care, and I say yes to that, and let's begin with him. Hmm. I think, strider, that you are not really as you choose to look. Still, as Sam says, I... I don't see why you should warn us to take care and yet ask us to take you on trust. Mm. Why the disguise? Who are you? What do you really know about... about my business, and how do you know it? Wait. Let me get out of sight. Ready? Uh. Oh. Uh, good evening, Mr. Butterbur. Um... I'm sorry about the commotion. Oh, that's all right, Mr. Underhill. I've just come to bid you good night. Um, uh, Nob, uh, take the water to the room. Oh, yes, Mr. Butterbur. There, uh, there is something else, Mr. Underhill. Yes. You see, it. You see, it's like this. If, if I've done any harm, I'm sorry indeed. But one thing drives out another, as you'll admit, and I'm a busy man. And but first one thing, and then another is jogging my memory, as the saying goes. And not too late, I hope. Um, I'm sorry, Mister Butterbur, but I don't follow you. Well, well, you see, I was asked to look out for hobbits of the Shire, and for one by the name of Baggins in particular. Oh, uh, what has that got to do with me? Mm, well, you know best. <laughs> I won't give you away. But I was told that this Baggins would be going by the name of uh, Underhill. Who told you this? 
Ah, that was Gandalf, if you know who I mean. He, he, he's a good friend of mine. Well, I don't know what he'll have to say to me now. He'll turn all my ale sour or me into a block of wood, I shouldn't wonder. Still, what's been done can't be undone. But, Mr Butterbit, what have you done? Well, Mr Took, you see, about, about three months back, old Gandalf walked in and he says, Barley, I'm in a hurry and I want you to do something for me. I want a message took to the Shire, he says. Have you anyone you can send and trust to go? Well, I, I can find someone, I said. Tomorrow, maybe, or the day after. Well, make it tomorrow, he says. And, and then he, he gave me this letter. It's addressed plain enough. I mean, Mr Frodo Baggins, Bag End, Hobbiton, in the Shire. A letter for me from Gandalf. Oh, then your name is Baggins. Yes, it is. And you had better give me that letter at once and explain why you never sent it. No, I beg your pardon, Master, but I didn't keep it back a purpose. But I couldn't find nobody willing to go to the Shire next day, nor the day after, and none of my own folk were to spare, and then one thing after another drove it out of my mind. Oh, I, I'll do what I can to set matters right, you must believe me. I didn't know that it would bring trouble to you, Mr Baggins. What do you mean, trouble? Well, these black riders who've been asking for Baggins, and, and that, that ranger, Strider... He's been asking questions, too. Tried to get in here to see you, he did. Yes, he did. You... What do you want? You're always popping up. Uh, it's, it's, he's here with my leave. He came to offer his help. Oh, well. <laughs> you know your own business, maybe, but if I was in your plight, I wouldn't take up with a ranger. Then who would you take up with? A fat innkeeper... Who only remembers his own name because people shouted at him every day. They cannot stay in the pony forever and they cannot go home. They have a long road before them. Will you go with them and keep the black riders off? Oh, me? What, leave Bree? Well, I wouldn't do that for any money. Well, then, let others help them. Yeah. But, but what are these black riders after? And where do they come from? I'm sorry, Mr. Butterbur. I, I, I can't explain it all. It... I'm not sure, but I, I think I fear they come from. They come from Mordor. <gasps> from Mordor, Barleyman, if that means anything to you. Oh, save us. Well, Mr. Butterbur, are you still willing to help me? I am. More than ever. Though I don't know what the likes of me can do against. against. against the shadow of the East. Not much, Barleyman. But every little helps. They must stay here tonight. And you must forget about the name of Baggins till they are far away. Oh, I'll do all that all right. But I'm afraid they'll find out he's here without help from me. It's a pity Mr Baggins drew attention to himself this evening. Well, we can only hope the riders won't come back yet. I hope not indeed. But if they do, then they won't get into the pony so easy. Mm. And me and my folk will keep watch tonight. And you had best get some sleep if you can. Yes. In any case, we must be called at dawn. We must get off as early as possible. Uh, breakfast at 6.30, please? Right. I'll see to the orders. Uh, well, good night, Mr Baggett. Uh, uh, Underhill, <laughs> I should say. Uh, good night, Mr Took. Good night. Good night, Mr Brand. Oh, where's uh, your Mr Brandybuck? Mary. I, I don't know. I'm afraid he, he's out. He said something about going for a breath of air. Oh, dear, oh, dear. Well, you do want looking after, and no mistake. Your party might be on a holiday. Oh, I better send Nob to look for him.
Well, when are you going to open that letter? Yes, of course. Really, old Butterbur has made a shocking mess of things. <clears throat> the Prancing Pony, Bree, Mid-Year's Day, Shire Year, 1418. Dear Frodo, bad news has reached me here, and I must go off at once. You had better leave Bag End soon. I will return as soon as I can, and I will follow you if I find that you are gone. Leave a message for me here if you pass through Bree. You can trust the landlord. You may meet a friend of mine on the road, a man, lean, dark, tall, by some called Strider. He knows our business and will help you. Make for Rivendell. There, I hope, we may meet again. Yours in haste, Gandalf. Mm. P.S. Make sure that it is the real Strider. Mm. There are many strange men on the roads. His true name is Aragorn. All that's gold does not glitter. Not all those who wander are lost. The old that is strong does not wither. Deep roots are not reached by the frost. From the ashes a fire shall be woken. A light from the shadows shall spring. Renewed shall be blade that was broken. The crownless again shall be king. Strider. Why didn't you tell me you were Gandalf's friend? Would you have believed me till now? Uh, I knew nothing of the latter. And anyway, I hoped you might take me for my own sake. But there. <laughs> I believe my looks are against me. <laughs> they are. Well, at first sight, at any rate. But handsome is as handsome does, as we say in the Shire. What I want to know is, how do we know that you are the strider that Gandalf speaks about? You never mentioned Gandalf till the letter came out. You might have been a play-acting spy. You might have done in the real Strider, took his clothes. What do you say to that? That you're a stout fellow, Sam Gamgee. And I'm afraid my only answer is this. I am Aragorn. And those verses go with that name. <laughs> Not much use, is it, Sam? Hmm. But the time is near when this broken sword shall be forged anew. I wanted to believe you were a friend before this letter came. And, uh, well, I, I think if you were a spy of the enemy, then you would, well, well, seem fairer and feel fouler. I mean, if, if you... Um, I, um, <laughs> you mean I look foul and feel fair? No. Is that it? <laughs> All that is gold does not glitter. Not all those who wander are lost. Well, now, with Sam's permission, 
We will call that settled. Strider will be your guide. Yes. Thank you. We need a guide. For this is all far more dangerous than I'd ever realised. Oh. oh, I'm sorry, everyone. Oh, but I'm awfully tired. Oh, in spite of all the danger and worry, I really must go to bed. Or sleep where I sit. <laughs> where is that silly fellow, Merry? Oh, it would be the last door if we had to go out in the dark and look for him. Yes. Merry. I have seen them, Frodo. I have seen them here in the village. The Black Riders. Mary. What is it, Mr. Mary? Are you all right? Yes, but I've seen the riders. I found him, sir. Go on, Nob. Well, sir, Mr. Butterbur sent me out with a lantern. I thought I could see something in the road. It, it looked as if two men were stooping over something, lifting it. Yes. I, I gave a shout, but when I got up to the spot, there was no sign of them. Uh, only Mr. Brandybuck. He seemed to be asleep. When I shook him, he said... I thought I had fallen into deep water. I don't remember what I said. I went to pieces. I, I don't know what came over me. I do. It was the black breath. Who are you? It's all right, Mary. This is Strider. He's a friend of Gandalf's. I will explain later. Tell us what happened from the beginning. Um, well, I stayed indoors for an hour. And then when the others didn't come back, I went out for a stroll. I was standing looking at the stars when suddenly I shivered and felt that something horrible was creeping near. There was a sort of deeper shade among the shadows across the road. It slid away at once into the dark without a sound. I followed it as far as the last house on the road. You have a brave heart, but it was foolish. No, it was neither brave nor foolish. I couldn't help myself. I seemed to be drawn somehow. Then... Then something came behind me, and I... I... I fell over. Poor Mr. Murray. What will happen now, Strider? Will they attack the inn? No, I think not. But you must all stay here in the parlour and you must not go to your rooms, for they are sure to have found out which those are. We will remain together and bar this window and the door. But first, Nob and I will tell old Butterbur what's happened and fetch your luggage from the other room. Well, masters, we've ruffled up the bedclothes and put a bolster down the middle of each bed in case anyone comes meddling. And I made a nice imitation of your head, Mr. Baggins. No, no uh, sir. Underhill, sir, with a brown woolen mat. Thank you, Nob. Well, that sounds most lifelike. But, but what will happen once they've penetrated the disguise? We shall see. Let us hope to hold the fort till morning. Don't you worry, Stroider. We won't let them in if they come. Well, good night to you all. Come on, Nob. Uh, yes, Mr. Butterbur. Good night to you both. Good night. Oh, and thank you. thank you. That night, Frodo's sleep was troubled by dreams. Secret. Ring. Secret. Is it morning already? Yes, and we must be up and gone from here without delay. Uh, which way are we to go, Strider? Well, we can hardly hope to leave Bree unnoticed, but I shall try to get us lost as soon as possible. And if we once shake off pursuit, I shall make for Weathertop. Weathertop? Where, well, what's that? It's a hill, just north of the road, about halfway from here to Rivendell. But now we must wake the others. Yes. 
Yes, I feel very reluctant to leave, but I know that leave I must. Pippin, oh, come on. Oh. Mary. Oh. Sam. Oh. Sam, time to get up. Oh, no, I was having such an enjoyable dream. How about you and that absurd song of yours last night? The cow jumped over the moon, indeed. And right in the middle of my story. And then to go and disappear as well. How very ridiculous of you, Frodo. <laughs> oh, I wish I'd been there to see it. The worthies of Brie will be discussing it a hundred years hence. I hope so, Mary. I hope so. Well, oh, oh, never has such a thing happened in my time. What's the matter, Barliman? <laughs> a raid on the pony. I never thought I'd live to see the day. Uh, uh, Mr. Butterbur, what, what happened? Oh, Mr. Underhill, you're in greater danger than you know. Someone broke into the inn last night. I thought you said you and your folk would watch. We did. I hardly closed my eyes all night, but I never heard a sound. But it's a good job you weren't in your beds. They forced the windows and they slashed the bolsters. <gasps> and that there brown mat that not made to look like Mr. Underhill's head, begging your pardon, was torn to pieces. <gasps> We must be gone at once. But you can't. What do you mean? Why can't we? They broke into the stable and took every pony and horse in the place. This is terrible. Well, anyway, ponies would not have helped us to escape horsemen. It is food and stores that trouble me. We cannot count on getting anything to eat between here and Rivendell. How much are you prepared to carry on your backs? As much as we must. Well, I can carry enough for two. Can't anything be done, Mr Butterbur? I mean, can't we get a couple of... Or even one for the baggage? I don't suppose we could hire them, but, well, but we might be able to buy them. Well, I doubt it, but I'll do what I can. I wrote out Bob and send him round as soon as may be. Yes, we'd better do that. I'm afraid that ends all hope of our starting early and slipping away quietly. I'm afraid so. What to think of it, a raid on the prancing pony. After their breakfast, the hobbits had to repack and get together further supplies for the longer journey they were now expecting. It was close on ten o'clock before they at last got off. Come on. Come on. Come on. No, come on. Oh, well, we've got your pony of sorts, Mr. Underhill. Well, he's a poor old half-starved creature. Oh. How did you manage it? Oh, I'm afraid he belonged to Bill Fernie. Who's Bill Fernie? Oh, he's a bad man, Mr. Took, with an evil name in Breland, and queer folk call it his house. And what's worse, I think I saw him creep out of the inn last night after Mr. Underhill's accident. Did he know? Then I guess that's who those black riders knew you were staying here and which rooms you were likely to be in. Barliman's right. It was probably Fernie who sold them news of you. He would sell anything to anybody. No, he sold me his pony and for 12 silver pennies, what's more, which is at least three times what it's worth. 12 pennies? Oh, I don't think I can afford that. Oh, Lord bless you, Mr. Underhill. I've paid for the pony and I hope as Mr. Brandybuck will accept 18 pennies more as payment for his other ponies. Oh, no, 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 I couldn't, Mr. Butterbur. It's not your fault they were stolen. <laughs> Strider might not agree about that. But anyway, I insist. Oh. I promised Gandalf I'd do whatever I could for you, and so far I've done precious little to help. And now we've delayed long enough. We must start at once, Sam. Load up the pony. Yes, Mr. Strider. Well, thank you, Mr. Butterbur. Mm. I hope we shall meet again someday when things are merry once more. I should like nothing better than to stay in your house in peace for a while. And I should like nothing better than to have you all. If Gandalf comes, Barleyman, tell him what's happened. And that we are heading for Weathertop yes. and then to Rivendell. Yes, yes, I will. Well, make sure you do. And don't let one thing drive out another this time. No, no, of course not. I remember all right. Come on, you miserable old creature. Come on, come on, old creature.
This is where we leave the open road and take to cover. Not a shortcut. Our last one nearly got us lost. Ah, but you had not got Strider with you then. My cut short or long, don't go wrong. Then uh, why are we going the wrong way already? Quite simply, because Bill Fernie will have watched where we left the road for certain, though I don't think he will follow us himself. But it is what he may tell the others that I am afraid of. I don't suppose the riders are far away. We will double back soon enough, but if they think we've gone in this direction, so much the better. The next day, they began to steer a steady course eastwards. All was quiet and peaceful. But on the third day out from Bree, they drew near the Midgewater Marshes. I don't like these marshes, Strider. Nor do I, Sam. Even the rangers do not have a trail here, so we must be very careful not to lose our way. Much of Midgewater is little more than a shifting quagmire. Oh, I'm being eaten alive. Oh, Midgewater. There are more midges than water. What I want to know is what do they live on when they can't get hobbits? <laughs> <laughs> the next day, the fourth, was little better. But by the fifth day, they had left the straggling pools and reed beds of the marshes behind them. The land before them began steadily to rise. And away in the distance, eastward, they could see a line of hills. The highest of them had a conical top, slightly flattened at the summit. That is where the top. We might reach it by noon tomorrow if we go straight towards it. I suppose we had better do so. What do you mean? I mean, when we do get there, it is not certain what we shall find. Why? What do you fear? There is, of course, a faint hope that we may meet with Gandalf there, but I'm afraid that if the riders don't find us in the wilderness, they are likely to make for Weathertop themselves. Oh. Well, what do you advise us to do? I think... I think the best thing is to go straight eastward and make for the line of hills, not for Weathertop. That way we can come to Weathertop from the north and less openly. Then we shall see what we shall see. But why haven't we seen anything of those riders if they're still after us? They may not yet have had news of us. And not all the birds are to be trusted. And there are other spies more evil than they are. You do make me feel uncomfortable and lonesome, Strider. I'm sorry, Sam. But I fear there is little comfort for us at present. Strider, did enemies make these paths to Weathertop? No, this path was made to serve the watchtower of Amon Sul that once stood upon its top. It was burned and broken by a terrible enemy who is now but a servant of the enemy we face. Oh. It is told that Elendil stood there watching for the coming of Gilgalad out of the west. When was that? Long ago. In the days of the last alliance between men and elves. And who was Gilgalad? Gilgalad was an elven king. Of him the harpers sadly sing. The last whose realm was fair and free between the mountains and the sea. His sword was long, his lance was keen, his shining helm afar was seen. The countless stars of heaven's field were mirrored in his silver shield. But long ago he rode away, and where he dwelleth none can say. For into darkness fell his star in Mordor where the shadows are. 
Don't stop, Sam. That's all I know. I learned it from Mr. Bilbo when I was a lad. He used to tell me tales like that, knowing how I was always one for hearing about elves. <sighs> I am learning a lot about Mr. Sam Gamgee on this journey. <laughs> if we're not careful, he'll end up by becoming a wizard or a warrior. Oh, I hope not. I don't want to be neither. Fancy old Sam knowing all that history. Well, I never learned such things. Well, like, like I say, it was Mr. Bilbo who taught me. He was mighty book-learned, was old Mr. Bilbo. And he wrote poetry. He wrote what I've just sung. He did not make it out. It is part of the lay that is called The Fall of Gilgalad, which is in an ancient tongue. Bilbo must have translated it. There was a lot more, all about Mordor. I didn't learn that part. It gave me the shivers. I never thought I should be going that way myself. Going to Mordor? I hope it won't come to that. Do not speak that name so loudly. Sorry, Strider. For the rest of that day, the travellers continued on their way, until they came at last to the summit of Weathertop. Well, here we are. And very cheerless and uninviting it looks. Mm -hmm. There is no water and no shelter. And no sign of Gandalf. Mind you, I don't blame him for not waiting, if he ever came here. I wonder. Even if he was a day or two behind us at Bree, he could have arrived first. He can ride very swiftly when pressed. Wouldn't he have waited for us? I don't know, Pippin. But what's this? But it's only a stone. Yes, but what do you make of these marks, Frodo? Good. Um, well, they're scratches. A stroke, a, a dot, oh, and three more strokes. It might be a sign left by Gandalf. Ah. Though one cannot be sure... What would they mean if Gandalf made them? Well, the first scratch might be the G rune for Gandalf. If so, I should say they stood for G3 and were a sign that Gandalf was here on October the 3rd. That is three days ago now. Mm. It would also show that he was in a hurry and danger was at hand, so that he had no time or did not dare to write anything longer or plainer. Yes. I guess that he was attacked on this hilltop... Oh. But with what result, I cannot tell. He is here no longer, and we must now look after ourselves and make our own way to Rivendell as best we can. How far is it to Rivendell? It must be 12 days from here to the ford of Brynin, where the road crosses the loud water that runs out of Rivendell. In all, we have at least a fortnight's journey before us. A fortnight? A lot may happen in that time. Yes, it may. Look, get down, all of you. <laughs> What is it? I don't know, but I fear the worst. What do you mean? I mean, I think it is the enemy. Then hadn't we better clear out quick, Mr. Strider? We must certainly decide what to do at once. We cannot reach anywhere before nightfall. Is there no escape, then? I, if I move, I shall be seen and hunted, and if I stay, I, I shall draw them to me. There is still hope, Frodo. We must find a dell on the hillside and camp there, and we must build a fire. These riders fear fire and those who wield it. Fire is our friend in the wilderness. Well, maybe. There's also as good a way of saying here we are as I can think of, bar shouting. Strider, tell us of Gilgalad. Um, do you know any more of that old verse you spoke of? I know indeed, Mary, and so does Frodo, for it concerns us closely. No, I... I only know the little Gandalf told me. Gilgalad was the last of the great elf kings of Middle-earth. Gilgalad is starlight in their tongue. 
Now, with Elendil, the elf friend, he went to the land no. of Mor... I do not think that tale should be told now, with the servants of the enemy at hand. No. Well, then, tell us some other tale of the old days. A tale about elves, before the fading time. I would dearly like to hear more about elves. The dark seems to press round so close. I will tell you the tale of Beren and Luthien in brief, for oh. it is a long tale of which the end is not known. And there are none now except Elrond that remember it aright as it was told of old. Luthien was the daughter of Thingol, the king of the elves upon Middle-earth when the world was young. And she was the fairest maiden that has ever been among all the children of the world. As the stars above the mist of the northern lands was her loveliness, and in her face was a shining light. Now, Beren was a mortal man who came once to the hidden kingdom of Thingol. And there he beheld Luthien singing and dancing in a glade of the forest of Neldoreth. And he named her Tinuviel, that is, Nightingale in the language of old. Many sorrows befell them afterwards, and they were parted long. Tinuviel rescued Beren from the dungeons of Sauron, and together they passed through great danger. Yet, at the last, Beren was slain and died in the arms of Tenuviel. But she chose mortality and to die from this world so that she might follow him. And it is sung that they met again beyond the sundering seas, and after a brief time walking alive once more in the green woods, together they passed long ago beyond the confines of this world. So it is that Luthien de Nouvelle, alone of the elf kindred, has died indeed and left the world. And they have lost her whom they most loved. Look, the moon is rising. It must be getting late. I don't know why, Mr. Strider, but I'm afraid... Keep close to the fire, yeah. with your faces outward. Get some of the longer sticks in your hands. Why? What is it? Shh! <gasps> What's that? Uh. One ring to them all. One ring to bind them. One ring to bring them all. And in the darkness, find them. Put on the ring. Put on the ring. The ring? Mr. Frodo, where are you? Where have you gone? I see you now. I see you. The ring! Five of them, 
Why were they not all here? I don't know. But I do not think they expected to be resisted. Well, what have they done to Mr. Frodo? He is wounded, Sam. I fear they believe that wound will subdue him to their will. Oh. We shall oh. see. Don't despair. You must trust me now. Your Frodo is made of sterner stuff than I guessed. Though Gandalf hinted that it might prove so. He is not slain. And I think he will resist the evil power of the wound longer than his enemies expect. Uh, where is the pale king? Uh, uh, I saw him. I saw all of them. I saw their helms of silver and their swords of steel. I saw their pale faces and those terrible eyes. Look, over there, huh? a cloak. I'll fetch it. Huh? Ah, it's his. It, it's his. It's his. Let me see. Yes, look. Here is where Frodo's sword went in. But a cut in the cloak is the only hurt that it did to this enemy, I fear. For the sword itself is unharmed, and all blades perish that pierce that dreadful king. More deadly to him was the name of Elbereth Gilthoniel, the Star Queen of old. More deadly to Frodo was this. <gasps> Whose knife is that, Mr. Strider? <gasps> I believe it belongs to the one who attacked Frodo. It was this knife that gave him the wound. Ah, and its point has been broken off. Mr. Strider, look! The blade! It's... it's melting. Yes. It is an evil and a cursed weapon. And few have the skill in healing wounds that that makes. Frodo. Ah! <gasps> Frodo, we must go at once. We are in great peril here. And we can hardly meet greater danger wherever we go. Yes. The travellers started off in a southerly direction and made their way slowly and cautiously. But there was no sign of the riders. For days they struggled on, and with each day that passed, Frodo's pain worsened. It's no good. We can't go any further. I'm afraid this has been too much for Frodo. I'm dreadfully anxious about him. What are we to do? Do you think they will be able to heal him in Rivendell, if we ever get there? We shall see, Mary. It's chiefly because of Frodo's wound that I'm so anxious to press on. But I agree... We can go no further today. But what is the matter with my master? His wound was small, and it's already closed, and there's nothing to be seen but a cold white mark on his shoulder. Frodo has been touched by the weapons of the enemy, and there is some poison or evil at work that is beyond my skill to drive out. But don't give up hope, Sam. But how long is it going to take us to get to Rivendell if we keep on trying to get through these pathless hills? You're right, Pippin. Tomorrow... We must make for the road again, whatever danger may beset us. The road is our only way to the ford. Back on the road, they saw no sign of any other travellers. There being now no other possible course for them to take, they trod the road as fast as they could. As the shadows of early evening lengthened, 
A cold wind flowed down to meet them from the mountains ahead. Suddenly, they heard a sound that brought fear back into their hearts. A horse! Quick, get off the road! Now then, Bill, don't go throwing Mr. Frodo off. Bill? Who's Bill, Sam? Where's the pony, sir? I named him after his old master, Bill Fernie. Oh, perhaps that has insulted the poor creature. Quiet! Get out! That, that doesn't sound like a black rider's horse. No. And we shall see. It's a white horse. Why, it's Glorfindel. Glorfindel! Glorfindel! Uh, wait! I never do it, don't I? My governor. It's an elf. So that's an elf. It's all right, it's quite safe. This is Glorfindel, who lives in the house of Elrond Half Elven at Rivendell. Helen Sila Lumen, Amentielvo. Helen, well met at last, Frodo. I was sent from Rivendell to look for you. We feared that you were in danger upon the road. Ah, then Gandalf has reached Rivendell. No, he had not when I departed, but that was several days ago. No, we learned that the nine were abroad and that you were astray, bearing a great burden without guidance. But come, there is no time for further news. There are five riders behind us, and where the other four may be, I do not know. I fear that we may find the ford is already held against us, but we must risk the pedal and go on. Look, my master is sick and wounded. He can't go on riding after nightfall. He needs rest. Frodo has been wounded by a very evil weapon, Glorfindel. Then he shall ride my horse. His pace is light and smooth, and if danger presses too near, he will bear him away at a speed that even the black steeds of the enemy cannot rival. No, he will not. I shall not ride him if I am to be carried off to Rivendell or anywhere else, leaving my friends behind in danger. I doubt very much if your friends would be in danger if you were not with them. It is you, Frodo, and that which you bear that brings us all into danger. Bruinen is before us now, and our peril is at its greatest. For my heart warns me that the pursuit is now swift behind us, and other dangers may be waiting at the ford. I'm too tired to care about any dangers. We can't go on much further. My dear hobbits, we must. Come on. It won't be long now, Mr. Frodo, uh, sir. Uh, oh, behind us! Uh, Look! Fly, Frodo. Uh, fly. The enemy is upon us. Ride forward, Frodo, ride! They are holding him with their will, Glorfindel. Ride on! Ride on! Norolim! Norolim Asphaloth! Rising. 
was a hideous dream. Where am I? Where am I? What is the time? In the house of Elrond, and it is ten o'clock in the morning. Uh, Gandalf! Yes, I am here. And you're lucky to be here, too, after all the absurd things you've done since you left home. Where's Sam? And, and are the others all right? Yes, they're all safe and sound. Sam was here until I sent him off to get some rest about half an hour ago. What, what happened at the Ford? It all seemed so dim somehow. It still does. Yes, it would. You were beginning to fade. The wound which you received on Weathertop was overcoming you at last. A few more hours and you would have been beyond our aid. If only you had held out, not slipped the ring on your finger. Huh? How do you know that? Uh, you talked long in your sleep, Frodo. Oh, I... Don't worry. Though I said absurd just now, I didn't mean it. I think well of you and the others. It's no small feat to have come so far and through such dangers, still bearing the ring. We should never have done it without Strider. Oh, but we needed you. I did not know what to do without you. I was delayed, and that nearly proved our ruin. <laughs> Yet, I'm not sure. It may have been better so. I wish you would tell me what happened. Why were you delayed? You will soon hear all you wish to know. We shall have a council as soon as you're well enough. At the moment, I will only say that I was held captive. You? Yes, I, Gandalf the Grey. There are many powers in the world, for good or for evil. Some are greater than I am. Against some I have not yet been measured. But my time is coming. The Morgul Lord and his Black Riders have come forth. War is preparing. Then you knew of the Riders already, before I met them? Yes, I knew of them. The Black Riders are the Ringwraiths I once spoke to you of, the nine servants of the Lord of the Rings. But I did not know that they had arisen again, or I should have fled with you at once. For the moment, we have been saved from disaster by Aragorn. Yes. Yes, it was Strider that saved us. <laughs> I've become very fond of him. Well... Fond is not quite the right word. I, I mean he is dear to me, though he is strange and grim at times. In fact, he reminds me often of you. <laughs> there are few left in Middle-earth like Aragorn, son of Arathorn. The race of the kings from over the sea is nearly at an end. Huh? Yes, it may be that this War of the Ring will be their last adventure. Do you really mean that Strider is one of the people of the old kings? I thought they'd all vanished long ago. I thought he was only a ranger. Only a ranger? My dear Frodo, that is just what the rangers are. The last remnant in the north of the great people, the men of the west. They've helped me before, and I shall need their help in the days to come. We have reached Rivendell, but the ring is not yet at rest. Uh, no, I suppose not. But I hope I shan't have to go any further. I have had a month of exile and adventure, and I find that has been as much as I want. 
<laughs> now, <clears throat> how do the side and shoulder feel? Well, I, I can move my arm again a little. It's coming back to life. It is no longer cold. Good. Elrond has cured you. He had tended you for days, ever since you were brought in. Days? Well, four nights and three days, to be exact. We've been terribly anxious. They tried to pierce your heart with a more gold knife. If they'd succeeded, you would have become a wraith, like them, only weaker, under the dominion of the Dark Lord Sauron. A splinter from the knife was deeply buried in your side and working inwards. But Elrond removed it. <laughs> ah, don't be alarmed. It's gone now. What about Rivendell and the elves? Is it safe here? Until all else is conquered. There is a power here to withstand the might of Mordor for a while. And elsewhere, other powers still dwell. And the Black Riders? Were they drowned in the flood? No. Their horses must have perished, and without them they are crippled. But the ringwraiths themselves cannot be so easily destroyed. But we are safe now. Yes, yes. You are all safe for the present. Soon there will be feasting and merrymaking to celebrate the victory at the Ford of Bruinen. And you will all be there in places of honour. Oh, splendid. It is wonderful that Elrond and Glorfindel and such great lords, not to mention Strider, should take so much trouble and... Show me so much kindness. Well, there are many reasons why they should. I am one reason. The ring is another. You are the ring bearer, and you are the heir of Bilbo, the ring finder. Oh, dear Bilbo. I wonder where he is. I wish he was here and could hear all about it. <laughs> it would have made him laugh. <laughs> You miss Bilbo greatly, do you not? Yes. I would rather see him than all the towers and palaces in the world. Sam. Mr. Frodo, sir, it's so good to see you up near yourself again. <laughs> oh, it's your hand. It's, it's warm. But... Well, it's been so cold during those long nights. But glory and trumpets. When Gandalf asked me to come and see if you were ready to come down, I thought he was joking. <laughs> I am ready, Sam. Let's go and look for the rest of the party. Yes, yes. Sir. Here is our noble cousin. Make way for Frodo, Lord of the Ring. Gosh, we should not name evil things here. The Lord of the Rings is not Frodo the master of the Dark Tower of Mordor, whose power is again stretching out over the world. We are sitting in a fortress. Outside it is getting dark. Gandalf's been saying a lot of cheerful things like that. He thinks I need keeping in order, but oh, it seems impossible somehow to feel gloomy or depressed in this place. Oh, I feel I could sing. <laughs> I feel like singing myself, Pippin. Though at the moment I feel more like eating and drinking. <laughs> that will soon be cured. Elrond has commanded a high feast tonight, and you are to sit with him at his table. And after the feast, there's the storytelling. You'll hear some grand old tales here, Frodo. This is the Hall of Fire, the place of songs and stories that Mary spoke of. But except on high days, it usually stands empty and quiet. 
People come here who wish for peace. <clears throat> There's one over there who seems to have found it. <laughs> the little figure sleeping by the fire, you mean? <laughs> come, let us disturb his slumbers. Awake, little master. Huh? Come, Frodo. <clears throat> this is the hour you've wished for. Here is a friend that you've long missed. Hello, Frodo, my lad. Oh, Bilbo. So you've got here at last. I hope you'd manage it. How else of all this feasting is in your honor, I hear. I hope you enjoyed yourself. Yes, but why weren't you there? And why haven't I been allowed to see you before? Because you were asleep, Frodo. But he saw you all right. He sat by your bedside with Sam each day. But I know you want to be left alone together with your stories. Don't keep him up too long, Bilbo. I won't, Gandalf. You can be sure of that. But, but, but tell me, how did you come here? Oh, it was no great adventure. I found my way here, and here I've been. I shan't travel again. I've done this and that. I've written some more of my book. Time doesn't seem to pass here. It just is. A remarkable place altogether. I hear all kinds of news from over the mountains and out of the south, but hardly anything from the Shire. I heard about the ring, of course. Fancy it causing such a disturbance. It's a pity that Gandalf didn't find out much sooner. I could have brought the thing here long ago without so much trouble. I thought several times of going back to Hobbiton to fetch it. But you know what Gandalf said? No. The ring has passed on, Bilbo. It would do no good to you or to others... Have you tried to meddle with it again? It's an odd sort of remark. Just like Gandalf. Have you got it here with you? I can't help feeling curious, you know. After all I've heard. I should very much like to peep at it again. Yes. I've got it. It, it looks just the same as ever it did. Well, I... I should just like to see it for a moment. Oh. Very well. Here. Let me hold it. Just for a moment. No. But it's mine. I found it. Give it to me. No, Bilbo. My, my birthday present. Thief. 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 It, we've lost it. My, my precious. It's gone. God. 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 Bilbo. Bilbo. Uh, 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 I understand now. Put it away. I'm sorry. Sorry you have to come in for this burden. I'm sorry about everything. Don't adventures ever have an end? I suppose not. Someone else always has to carry on the story. But don't let's worry about it now. Let's have some real news. Tell me, tell me all about the Shire. <sighs> well, it's so difficult to know where to begin. I... Oh, but here's Strider. Strider? I never heard him called that before. He's Donadan. They call me Strider in Bree, and that is how I was introduced to him. But are you fully recovered, Frodo? Gandalf told me you were on your feet again. Yes, a little thinner, perhaps, but my arm is healed. But where have you been, my friend? Why haven't you at the feast? Often I have to put mirth aside. There were tidings out of the wild that concerned me. Lady Arwen was there. So I have been told. Now that I have seen Frodo's recovery with my own eyes, I am going to find her. Until tomorrow, at the Great Council. Yes. 
Elba, why do you call him Dunadan? The Dunadan. I thought you knew enough Elvish, at least to know Dunadan. Man of the West? Nomenorian? Ah. Uh, and Arwen, who is she? Well, the Lady Arwen. Well, surely you saw her at the feast. There was one lady. She sat alone under a great canopy. I had never believed such loveliness could exist on Earth. And, and she... She is loved by Aragorn. I see. But who is she? She is the daughter of Elrond and Celebrian. And like all of her line, she had the life of Eldar. For many hundred years she dwelt in Lorien in contentment before she met Aragorn, or Strider, as you call him. To marry him, she must renounce her immortality. And her father, Elrond, had decreed that she shall not be the bride of any man less than king of both Gondor and Arnor. Strider become a king? Well, it's not so remote a possibility as you might imagine. Oh, Mr. Baggins. Ah, well, what is it, Sam? I've come from Mr. Frodo, sir, begging your pardon. He only got up today for the first time, and there's, there's a council meeting early tomorrow. Yes. Right, right, Sam, right, right. Ah, ah. Good night, Frodo. Good night. I'll take a walk, I think, and look at the stars of... Albreth in the garden. Sleep well. Welcome. Welcome. Come, Frodo. Sit here by my side. Here, my friends, is the hobbit Frodo, son of Drogo. Few have ever come hither through greater peril or on an errand more urgent. Frodo. Strider and Glorfindel are already well known to you. This is Gimli, son of Glowin of the Dwarves, who was comrade to Bilbo in the quest for Smaug's treasure hall. Oh. <laughs> and this is Legolas, son of Thranduil, the king of the elves of northern Mirkwood. Honoured to meet you. And this is Boromir, a man from the south. Yes. He arrived in the grey morning and seeks for counsel. I have bidden him be present, for here his questions will be answered. So, we are all met, and there is much for us to debate, and each has something to tell. Gimli, son of Glowin, speak first. I have come hither for counsel, for my people are deeply troubled. It's now nearly a year since a messenger came in the night to my father. He came from Mordor. Lord Sauron the Great desires your friendship. Rings he will give for it, such as he gave of old. But he needs news from you. News of the creatures called hobbits. For one of these was known to you on a time. Find this hobbit thief and get from him, willing or no, a little ring. The least of rings that once he stole. It is but a trifle that Sauron fancies. Find it, and the three rings that the dwarf sires possessed of old shall be returned to you. And Moria, the realm of your fathers, shall be yours forever. Twice the messenger has returned and gone unanswered. The third and last time is to come before the ending of the year. So I have been sent by my father to crave the advice of Elrond. You have done well to come. 
you will learn that your trouble is but part of the trouble of all the Western world. The ring. What shall we do with the ring? The least of rings, the trifle that Sauron fancies. First, so that all may understand what is the peril, the tale of the ring shall be told from the beginning even to this present. And I will begin this tale, though others shall end it. A part of this tale was known to some there, but the full tale was known to none. It was a long tale, full of deeds great and terrible, and the sun rode up the sky and morning was past ere Elrond ceased. So this is what became of the ring. Isildur took it. That is tidings indeed. Isildur took it, Boromir, as should not have been. It should have been cast then into Orodruin's fire, where it was made. But Isildur would not listen to our counsel. But soon he was betrayed by it to his death. And so it is named in the north Isildur's Bane. But what of Sauron? His power was diminished, but not destroyed. His ring was lost, but not unmade. The race of Numenor decayed, and only Gondor endured. Give me leave, Master Elrond, to speak of Gondor, for I am the son of Denethor, steward of Gondor, who holds the citadel of Minas Tirith until the king shall return. We are hard beset by the enemy whose power grows ever mightier. Only the river now lies between us and the dark powers of Mordor. Those who shelter behind us give much praise, but little help. Only from Rhone now will any men ride to us when we call. In this evil hour I have come on an errand over many dangerous leagues to Elrond. I come not for allies, but for wisdom, counsel, and the unravelling of hard words. On the eve of the last assault on Minas Tirith, a dream came to my brother Faramir in a troubled sleep, and afterwards to me. In that dream, I thought the eastern sky grew dark and there was growing thunder. But in the west, a pale light lingered and out of it I heard a voice, remote but clear. Speak for the sword that was broken. In the grace it dwells. There shall be My father told me that Imladris was Rivendell, where Elrond the half elven dwelt, greatest of law masters. So to the house of Elrond have I come to seek the meaning of the dream. And here in the house of Elrond your dream shall be made clear to you. Here is the sword that was broken. And who are you? And what have you to do with Minas Tirith? He is Aragorn, son of Arathorn. And he is descended through many fathers from Isildur Elendil. The sword was broken beneath him when he fell. It has been treasured by his heirs when all other heirlooms were lost, for it was spoken of old among us that it should be made again 
when the ring Isilda's bane was found, and now that hour has come, the sword shall be reforged, and I will come to Minas Tirith. Isilda's bane is found. How may this be? Where is it? Bring out the ring, Frodo. The time has come. Hold it up, and then Boromir will understand the remainder of his riddle. Very well. Here it is. Behold, Isildur's bane. The halfling. But Isildur perished ere this age of the world began, they say. How do the wise know that this ring is his? And how has it passed down the years until it is brought hither by so strange a messenger? That shall be told. But not yet, I beg, Master. Already the sun is climbing to noon, and I feel the need of something to strengthen me. I had not named you, Bilbo, but I do so now. Come, tell us your tale. The briefer, the sooner you shall be refreshed. Very well. I'll do as you bid. To some there, Bilbo's tale was wholly new, and they listened while the old hobbit recounted his adventure with Gollum. A strange tale indeed, but still this is not proof. How came Gollum by the ring? He found it in the great river, nigh to the gladden fields where Isildur fell. And where is this Gollum now? He was in prison, watched over by the elves of Mirkwood. But he has escaped through their kindness and his cunning. These tidings I was sent to tell you. They were already known. But you are most welcome here, Legolas. Master Elrond, may I speak? What is this ring of which we've heard so much? What is its worth above the other rings of power? Upon this ring, which you have seen here, held aloft, there are letters which may be read if one has the strength of will to set the golden thing in the fire a while. That I have done, and this I have read. Ashnaz Durbatuluk, Ashnaz Gimbatul, Ashnaz Thrakatuluk, Achbuzum Ishi Krimpatul. Never before has any voice dared to utter the words of that tongue in Emlatris, Gandalf the Grey. And let us hope that none will ever speak it here again. Yet if that tongue is not soon to be heard in every corner of the West, then let all put doubt aside that this thing is indeed what the wise have declared, the treasure of the enemy. And in it lies a great part of his strength of old. Know then the words on the ring. One ring to rule them all, one ring to find them. One ring to bring them all, and in the darkness, bind them. Here we all are, and here is the ring. But we've not yet come any nearer to our purpose. What shall we do with it? It seems to me that we have three choices. To keep the ring from Sauron, to send it over the sea... Or to destroy it. There is not the strength in us to withstand the enemy. Now, at this last, we must take a hard road. A road unforeseen. There lies our only hope. To walk in peril. To Mordor. We must send the ring to the fire. I don't understand all this. Why do you speak ever of hiding and destroying? 
Why should we not think that the great ring has come into our hands to serve us in the very hour of our need? Let the ring be your weapon. If it has such power as you say, take it and go forth to victory. Alas, no. We cannot use the ruling ring. It belongs to Sauron and was made by him alone and is altogether evil. Its strength, Boromir, is too great for anyone to wield at will. If any of the wise should with this ring overthrow the Lord of Mordor, he would then set himself on Sauron's throne, and yet another dark lord would appear. As long as the ring is in the world, it will be a danger even to the wise. What of the three rings of the elves? What would happen to them if the ruling ring were destroyed? We know not for certain. Some hope that the three rings which Sauron never touched would then become free, and their rulers might heal the hurts of the world that he hath wrought. But maybe, when the one has gone, the three will fail, and many fair things will fade and be forgotten. That is my belief. Yet all the elves are willing to endure this chance, if by it the power of Sauron may be broken and the fear of his dominion be taken away forever. So we return once more to the destroying of the ring. What strength have we for finding the fire in which it was made? We have one great advantage. The only measure known to Sauron is desire, desire for power. Into his heart the thought will not enter that any will refuse it, that having the ring we may seek to destroy it. If we seek this, we shall put him out of reckoning. At least for a while. The road must be trod, but it will be hard, and neither strength nor wisdom will carry us far upon it. This quest may be attempted by the weak, with as much hope as the strong. Yet such is off the course of deeds that move the wheels of the world. Small hands do them because they must, while the eyes of the great are elsewhere. Very well, very well, Master Elrond. Say no more. It's plain enough what you're pointing at. Bilbo, the silly hobbit, started this affair, and Bilbo had better finish it, or himself. <laughs> Why not I'd have started? My dear Bilbo, if you had really started this affair, you might be expected to finish it. But you know well enough that starting is too great a claim for any. And that only a small part is played in great deeds by any hero. Yes, but Gandalf... We I... do not doubt that you're making a valiant offer, but one beyond your strength, Bilbo. You cannot take this thing back. It has passed on. If you need my advice any longer, I should say that your part is ended. I've never known you give me pleasant advice before, but tell me, if not me, well, then who? I, Frodo, son of Drogo, will take the ring, though I do not know the way. If I understand aright all that I have heard, I think that the task is appointed for you, Frodo, and that if you do not find a way, no one will. This is the hour of the Shire folk, when they arise from their quiet fields to shake the towers and councils of the great. But it is a heavy burden, so heavy that none could lay it on another. I do not lay it on you, but if you take it freely, I will say that your choice is right. But you won't send me off alone, surely, Master Elrond. 
No, indeed, Sam Gamgee. You at least shall go with him. It is hardly possible to separate you from him, even when he is summoned to a secret council and you are not. That's a nice pickle we've landed ourselves in, Mr Frodo. The hobbits were nearly two months in the House of Elrond. Health and hope grew strong in them, and they were content with each new day as it came. Autumn waned. A wind began to blow chill from the misty mountains to the east. The hunter's moon waxed round in the sky and put to flight all the lesser stars. But low in the south, one star shone red. Every night it shone, brighter and brighter. Frodo could see it from his window, deep in the heavens, burning like a watchful eye. December was passing when Elrond summoned the hobbits to him. The time has come. Our scouts have returned. It would seem that the ringwraiths are scattered and have gone empty and shapeless back to the Dark Lord. Who knows how long it will be before they find new steeds. If the ring is to set out, it must go soon. But those who go with it must not count on their errand being aided by war or force. They must pass into the domain of the enemy far from aid. Do you still hold to your word, Frodo? That you will be the ring-bearer? I do. And Sam Gamgee will go with me. I cannot help you much, not even with counsel. I can foresee very little of your road, and how the task is to be achieved, I do not know. But I would choose your companions to go with you, as far as they will, or fortune allows. The number must be few, since your hope is in speed and secrecy. The company of the ring shall be nine, and the nine walkers shall be set against the nine riders that are evil. With you and your faithful servant, Gandalf will go. For this shall be his great task, and maybe the end of his labours. For the rest, they shall represent the other free peoples of the world, elves, dwarves, and men. Legolas shall be for the elves, and Gimli, son of Glowin, for the dwarves. They are willing to go at least to the passes of the mountains, and perhaps beyond. For men, you shall have Aragorn, son of Arathorn, for the ring of Isildur concerns him closely. Strider. Yes, I ask leave once again to be your companion, Frodo. I would have begged you to come, Annie. I thought you were going to Minas Tirith with Boromir. I am, but your road and our road lie together for many hundreds of miles. Therefore, Boromir will also be one of the company. He is a valiant man. There remain two more to be found. These I will consider. Of my household, I may find some that it seems good to me to send. But, but that will leave no place for Mary and me. We don't want to be left behind. We want to go with Frodo. That is because you do not understand and cannot imagine what lies ahead. Neither does Frodo. Nor does any one of us see clearly. I think, Elrond, that in this matter, it would be well to trust rather to their friendship and to great wisdom. Even if you chose for us an elf lord such as Dorfindel, he could not storm the dark tower, nor open the road to the fire by the power that is in him. You speak gravely, but I am in doubt. The Shire is not now free from peril. I had thought to send these two back to warn the people of their danger. 
In any case, I judge that the younger of these two, Peregrine Took, should remain. My heart is against his going. Then you will have to lock me in prison or send me home tied in a sack. For otherwise, I will follow the company. <laughs> Let it be so, then. You shall go. Now the tale of nine is filled. In seven days, the company must depart. The sword of Elendil was forged anew by elvish smiths, and on its blade was traced a device of seven stars set between the crescent moon and the rayed sun, and about them was written many runes. And Aragorn gave it a new name, and called it Andoril, Flame of the West. Frodo, yes? your sword was broken at the ford of Bruinen. I took it to keep it safe, but I forgot to ask if the smiths could mend it. There's no time now. So, I thought perhaps you would care to have this. Now, this is Sting. I got it from the trolls on the way to Smarg's Mountain. Take it if you like. I don't suppose I shall want it again. Thank you. I will guard it well. Also, there's this. It is a pretty thing, isn't it? And useful. It's my dwarf mail that Thorin gave me. I brought all the mementos of my journey away with me. But I... I don't need it now, except to look at sometimes. You hardly feel any weight when you put it on. Well, I... But, but I, I should... Look, well, I, I don't think I should look right in it. That's just what I said myself. But never mind about looks. You can wear it under your outer clothes, but don't tell anybody else. I should feel happier if I knew you were wearing it. I have a fancy it would turn even the knives of the Black Riders. Very well, I will take it. Bilbo? Hmm? I... I cannot thank you as I should for this and all your past kindnesses. Oh, don't try, don't try. I'd hoped you might be able to help me with my book. Have you thought of an ending yet? <laughs> yes, several. And they're all dark and unpleasant. Oh, no, well, that won't do at all. Books ought to have good endings. Now, how would this do? And they all settled down and lived together happily ever after. <laughs> <laughs> it will do very well, if it ever comes to that. Slow should you be to wind that horn again, Boromir, until you stand once more on the borders of your land, and dire need is on you. Maybe. But always have I let my horn cry at setting forth as a sign to the foes of Gondor, and though thereafter we may walk in shadows, I will not go forth as a thief in the night. Be that as it may, you should all of you fear the many eyes of the servants of Sauron. Well counselled, Master Elrond. We will be vigilant. And have you all you need for your long journey? Food, clothes and blankets? More than enough, for dwarves make light of burden, shirt of steel and a strong axe are all I need. And how are we to carry it all? Never you mind that! You didn't think Bill would desert us, did you? Oh. <laughs> this animal can nearly talk. And he would talk if he stayed here much longer. He gave me a look as plain as you could speak it yourself, Mr Pippin. If you don't let me go with you, Sam, I'll follow on my own. <laughs> well, you oughtn't to have took up with us, Bill, my lad. You could have stayed here. Ate the best hay till the new grass grows. Right, now then, have I forgotten anything? Cooking gear, salt, pipe weed, you know. Flint, tinder, rope, no rope. And only last night you said to yourself, Sam, what about a bit of rope? You'll want it if you haven't got it. Well, I'll want it. I can't get it now. Come, 
It is time to set forth. Farewell. And may the blessing of elves and men and all free folk go with you. May the stars shine upon your faces. They crossed the bridge and wound slowly up the steep paths that led out of the cloven vale of Rivendell. And they came at length to the high moor where the wind hissed through the heather. Then, with one glance at the last homely house twinkling below them, they strode away far into the night. At first, it seemed to the hobbits that although they walked and stumbled until they were weary, they were creeping forward like snails, getting nowhere. Yet, steadily, the mountains were drawing nearer. They had been a fortnight on the way, when, just as the sun was rising, they reached a low ridge crowned with ancient holly trees. There are mountains ahead of us. How shall we cross them? There is the land where the dwarves worked of old. The places there stand tall in our dreams, but I know them and their names. For under them lies Khazad-dûm, the Dwaradelf, that is now called the Black Pit, Moria in the elvish tongue. Yonder stands the Red Horn, cruel Karadras. Cruel or not, we must climb to the Red Horn Gate, under the far side of Karadras. We shall come then, down by the Dimrill Stair, into the deep vale of the dwarves. My heart trembles at the thought that I may see it. May you have joy at the sight, Gimli, but we at least cannot stay in that valley. We must go down the Silver Lode into the secret woods and so to the great river and then... And then... To the end of the journey. In the end, we cannot look too far ahead. Let us be glad that the first stage is safely over. I think we will rest here now that the day is breaking and sleep. At dusk, the company set out, and turning now half east, they steered their course towards Caradras, which glowed faintly red in the last light of the vanished sun. By the third morning, they had reached the foot of the mountain, and the weary company lay down to sleep. But Frodo was uneasy and wakeful, and so it was he overheard Gandalf and Aragorn. Winter deepens behind us. The heights away north are whiter than they were. Tonight we shall be on our way, high up, towards the Red Horn Gate. We may well be seen by watchers on that narrow path, but the, the weather may prove a more deadly enemy than any. What do you think? We must go on. It is no good delaying the passage of the mountains. Further south, there are no passes until one comes to the Gap of Rohan. I do not trust that way since your news of Saruman's desire for the ring. Who knows now which side Theoden and the marshals of the horse Who knows indeed, but there is another way, and not by the pass of Caradras, the dark and secret way we have spoken but of. But let us not speak of it again, not yet. Say nothing to the others, I beg. Not until it is plain there is no other way. But to Frodo's relief... When evening came, Gandalf chose the way over the pass. The narrow path wound under a sheer wall of cliffs to the left, above which the grim flanks of Caradras towered up, invisible in the gloom. On the right was a gulf of darkness, where the land fell suddenly into a deep ravine. 
Snow began to fall, filling all the air and swirling into their eyes. I don't like this at all. Snow's all right in a fine morning, but I like to be in bed while it's falling. I wish this lot would go off to Hobbiton. Folk might welcome it there. This is what I feared. What do you say now, Aragorn? That I feared it too, but less than other things. I knew the risk of snow, though it seldom falls heavily so far south, save high up in the mountains. But we are not high yet. We are still far down, where the paths are usually open all the winter. I wonder if this is a contrivance of the enemy. They say in my land that he can govern the storms in the mountains of shadow that stand upon the borders of Mordor. He has strange powers and many allies. His arm has grown long indeed. If he can draw snow down from the north to trouble us here 300 leagues away, his arm has grown long. They tramped on again. But they had not gone more than a furlong when the storm returned with fresh fury. The wind whistled and the snow became a blinding blizzard. We hear the voices. They're mocking us. It is but the wind. There are fell voices on the air. And those stones are aimed at us. It is the enemy. It is the mountain itself. Caradras was called the cruel and had an ill name long years ago when the name of Sauron had not been heard of. It doesn't matter who it is. It's attacking us. What can we do? Either stop where we are or go back. It's no good going on. Have no shelter up there from snow, stones, or anything else. It is no good going back while the storm holds. We passed no place on the way up that offered more shelter than this cliff wall we are under now. Shelter? Well, if this is shelter, then one wall and no roof make a house. The company gathered together as close to the cliff as they could. All night long, eddying blasts swirled round them from every side, and the snow flowed down in ever denser clouds. Towards dawn, the wind began to fall, and the snow stopped. As the light grew stronger, it showed a silent, shrouded world. Below their refuge were white humps and domes and shapeless deeps, beneath which the path that they had trodden was altogether lost. But the heights above were hidden in great clouds, still heavy with the threat of snow. Karadras has not forgiven us. He has more snow yet to fling at us if we go on. The sooner we go back and down, the better. But that is easier said than done. I see no way. How can we go back? If Gandalf would go before with a bright flame, he might make a path for you. If elves could fly over mountains, they might fetch the sun to save us. I must have something to work on. I cannot burn snow. Well, when heads are at a loss, bodies must serve. The strongest of us must seek a way. Though all is deep in snow, our path as we came up turned about to that shoulder of rock down there. If we can reach that point, it would prove easier beyond. Come then, let us force the path thither, you and I. Slowly, they moved off and were soon toiling heavily. In places the snow was breast high, and often Boromir seemed to be swimming or burrowing with his great arms rather than walking. At length, 
they drove a passage through the great drifts, and with the hobbits clinging to their backs, they reached the foot of the mountain. Enough! Enough, Carajas! We are departing as quickly as we may. The mountain has defeated us. We cannot go on tonight. Our attempt on the Redhorn Gate has tired us out. We must rest for a while. And then where are we to go? We still have our journey and our errand before us. We have no choice but to go on. Or to return to Rivendell. Then we must go on. If there is a way... There is a way. We may attempt, but it is not a pleasant way. If it is a worse road than the Redhorn Gate, then it must be evil indeed. But you had better tell us about it and let us know the worst at once. The road I speak of leads to the mines of Moria. Moria? The road may lead to Moria, but how can we hope that it will lead through Moria? It's a name of ill omen. Nor do I see the need to go there. To enter Moria would be to walk into a trap. Hardly better than knocking at the gates of the Dark Tower itself. I would not lead you into Moria if there were no hope of coming out again. If there are orcs there, it may prove worse for us, it is true. But there is even a chance the dwarves are there. It is long now since Balin, son of Fundin, ventured into the deep hall of his fathers. And we have heard nothing. But I will tread the path with you. I will go and look on the halls of Durin, whatever may wait there. If you can find the doors that are shut. Good, Gimli. You encourage me. In the ruins of the dwarves, a dwarf's head will be less easy to bewilder than elves, or men's, or hobbits. Yet, it will not be the first time that I have been to Moria. I passed through, and I came out alive. I, too, once passed through the Dimril Gate. But though I also came out again, the memory is very evil. I do not wish to enter Moria a second time. And I don't want to enter it even once. Nor me. Of course not. Who would? But the question is, who will follow me if I lead you there? I will, if this last warning does not move you. It is not of the ring, nor of us others that I am thinking now, but of you, Gandalf. And I say to you, if you pass the doors of Moria, beware. I will not go, unless the vote of the whole company is against me. What do Legolas and the halfling say? The ring-bearer's voice surely should be heard. I do not wish to go to Moria. Master Frodo? I do not wish to go, but neither do I wish to refuse the advice of Gandalf. I beg that there should be no vote until after we have slept. Gandalf will get votes easier in the light of the morning than in this cold gloom. Oh, how the wind howls. How the wind howls. It is howling with wolf voices. The wargs have come west of the mountains. Need we wait till morning, then? The hunt is up. Even if we live to see the dawn... Who now will wish to journey south by night with wild wolves on his track? How far is Moria? There was a door southwest of Caradras, some 15 miles as the crow flies and maybe 20 as the wolf runs. Then let us start as soon as it is light, if we can. I wish I had taken Elrond's advice, Sam. I really am no good at all. These howls freeze my blood. Oh, I don't ever remember feeling so wretched. Well, my heart's right down in my toes, Mr. Pippin, but we aren't eating yet. And there's some stout folk here with us. Whatever may be in store for old Gandalf, I'll wager it isn't a warg's belly. Come on! Let us move up to that ring of stone and light a fire there. 
darkness and silence will be no protection against hunting packs. Do you see, Sam? They have come. Shining eyes in the dark. Everywhere. I don't like the way that great brute over there is looking at us. He must be their leader. Put an arrow to your bow, Legolas. Listen, hound of Sauron! Gandalf is here! Fly if you value your foul skin! I will shrivel you from tail to snout if you come within this ring! Now, Legolas! Well done, Legolas! Fight through his throat! They're running away! No hope of that! They're massing for an attack! Fling fuel on the fire! Draw your swords! Swords and arrows will not prevail long. There are too many. Give me that branch out of the fire. Lower and enter his ermine! Lower down, Ignorhoth! The trees are on fire! All the trees are on fire! The whole hill's ablaze! They're running away! What did I tell you, Mr. Pippin? Wolf won't get old Gandalf! That was an eye opener, no mistake! Did it sense the hair on my head? When the full light of the morning came, no signs of the wolves were to be found, and they looked in vain for the bodies of the dead. It is as I feared. These were no ordinary wolves. Hunting for food in the wilderness. My arrows look as though they had never been used. And yet I killed four wags. We have not seen the last of them, I fear. We must reach the doors of Moria before sunset. Or I fear we shall not reach them at all. Let us go. I don't know which to hope. That Gandalf will find what he seeks. Or that when we come to the cliff we shall find the gates lost forever. Hmm. All choices seem ill and to be caught between wolves and the wall, the likeliest chance. Lead on. The day was drawing to its end, and cold stars were glinting in the sky high above the sunset when the company reached the place they sought. Vast cliffs reared their stern faces in the fading light, and stretching almost to the foot of the cliffs, a gloomy lake, green and stagnant. Well... Here we are at last. While I'm searching for the doors, will you make ready to enter the mines and strap all you need on your backs? For here, I fear, we must say farewell to our good beast of burden. You you can't leave poor old Bill behind in this forsaken place. Well, I won't have it. That's flat. After he's come so far. I'm sorry, Sam. But when the door opens, I do not think you will be able to drag your Bill inside into the long dark of Moria. He'd follow me into Dragon's Den if I led him. It'd be nothing short of murder to turn him loose with all these wolves about. It will be short of murder, I hope. Go with words of guard and guiding on you. Make your ways to places where you can find grass and so come in time to Elrond's house. Well, here we are, and already. But where are the doors? I can't see any sign of them. Dwarf doors are not made to be seen when shut. They are invisible. And their own masters cannot find or open them if their secret is forgotten. 
Look, can you see anything now? Yes. Faint lines upon the face of the rock, look. Uh, an anvil and a hammer, and above them a crown uh, and seven stars and two trees, each bearing crescent moons. The emblems of Dorin. The tree of the high elves. And in the center, the star of Feanor. What does the writing say? The doors of Durin, Lord of Moria, speak, friend, and enter. What does it mean, speak, friend, and enter? That's plain enough. If you're a friend, speak the password and the doors will open. And what is the password? I do not know. Then what was the use of bringing us to this account? I do not know the word yet. What are you going to do then? Knock on the doors with your head, Peregrine Took. I will seek for the opening words. You'd best seek swiftly. Those are the voices of wolves. Be patient. Anon Ed Selen. Edru hi amen. Fenas no gothrim. Lasto Bethlamen. Nothing. What are we going to do? Be patient, I said. Edro. Edro, open, open. The doors won't move. Don't let the pony run away. We shall need him still if the wolves don't find us. Why did you bring us here, Gandalf? Huh? To be trapped between the cliffs and this foul lake? Boromir, why did you do that? I, I hate this place too, but... I am afraid of the pool. Oh, how I wish we could get away. Why doesn't Gandalf do something quick? I have it. Of course, of course. Absurdly simple. Like most riddles when you see the answer. Melon! How did you do that? You gave me the clue yourself? I was wrong. What did I say? You asked the meaning of the words, speak, friend, and enter. The translation should have been, say, friend. And enter. I had only to speak the elvish for friend, and the doors opened. <laughs> Quite simple. <laughs> Too simple for a learned lawmaster like me. Let us waste no more time. We must enter. That pool. It's as if it were alive. Close the doors on us. Poor old Bill. There were wolves and the snakes. But the snaky things were too much for him. I had to choose, Mr. Frodo. I had to come with you. What was the, the thing? 
Or, or were there many of them? I do not know. But the arms were all guided by one purpose. Something has crept or has been driven out of dark waters under the mountain. There are older, fouler things than orcs in the deep places of the world. In the deep places of the world. And thither are we going against my wish. Who will lead us now in this deadly dark? I will. And I will walk by your side. How long is it going to take? I cannot say. It depends on many chances, but... Going straight without mishap or losing our way, we shall take three or four marches, I expect. It cannot be less than 40 miles from west door to east gate in a direct line. And the road may wind much. Come, follow my staff. Gandalf held his staff aloft. And from its tip there came a faint radiance which just showed the ground before his feet. They started on their way. By the pale light they caught glimpses of stairs and arches and of passages and tunnels, sloping up or running steeply down, or opening blankly dark on either side. I've lived much of my life in ways beneath the mountains, but I have never known anything like this. The mines of Moria are intricate beyond my imagination. And the memories of my journey through those dark paths long ago are of little help now. Um, let us explore this way. What's happening? Are we lost? I don't like it. Do not be afraid. Oh, but I am. I have been with Gandalf on many a journey, if never once so dark. There are tales of greater deeds of his than any I have seen. He will not go astray. If there is any path to be found. I hope you're right. Come, this is the way. Pick it up, Holmes. Where you tread. There are holes and pitfalls everywhere. Take care. There is a crack running across our path. How are we to get over it? It must be seven foot wide. Jump over it, Peregrine Took. Oh. Listen to the water down below. It must be hundreds of feet or I can't jump. Come on, follow me. Take my hand, Pippin. We'll jump together. As these dangers became more frequent, their march became slower. A deep uneasiness, growing to dread, began to creep over Frodo. Oh. Nothing but darkness and the sound of our feet. That's Gimli. Boromir. But who's that? Bare feet? Pattering alone. But not hobbit feet. No, 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 no. I must be imagining it. No! It's there! We must halt a while. There are three passages ahead. Each of them seems to lead in the same general direction. I've no memory of this place at all, and I'm too weary to decide. I expect that you're as weary as I, or wearier. We will stay here for what remains of the night. Night? Here, day and night are one. It is ever dark. But outside, the late moon is riding westward, and the middle night has passed. 
We must find somewhere to rest. There's some sort of chamber over here. Steady. You do not know what is inside yet. I, I will go first. And it is as well that I did so. Come here, all of you. Do you see that great hole in the middle of the floor? This seems to have been a guard room made for the watching of the three passages. That hole was plainly a well for the guard's use. Come. Let us make ourselves as comfortable as we can. Ooh. There's a chill air comes up from that well. I wonder how deep it is. Let's try dropping a stone down it. Hmm. Nothing. Will it ever reach the bottom? What was that? Uh, uh, nothing at all. Just dropped a stone down the well. Fool of a took! This is a serious journey, not a hobbit walking party. Throw yourself in next time, and then you'll be no further nuisance. Now, be quiet. What's that? Shh. That was the sound of a hammer, or I've never heard one. Yes, and I do not like it. It may have nothing to do with Peregrine's foolish stone, but probably something has been disturbed that would have been better left quiet. Pray do nothing of the kind again. Let us hope we shall get some rest without further trouble. You, Pippin, can go on the first watch as a reward. Pippin sat miserably in the pitch dark, but after an hour Gandalf relieved him, and the last thing Pippin saw as sleep took him was the old wizard huddled on the floor smoking his pipe. Six hours later, Gandalf roused them all from sleep. I have made up my mind. I do not like the feel of the middle way, and I do not like the smell of the left-hand way. There's foul air down there, or I'm no guide. I shall take the right-hand passage. It's time we began to climb again. For eight dark hours they marched on and met no danger. The passage wound steadily upwards until suddenly... It vanished. They seemed to have passed through some arched doorway into a black and empty space. I chose the right way. At last, we are coming to the habitable parts. And my guess is we are not far now from the eastern side, but we are high up, a good deal higher than the Dimril Gate. From the feeling of the air, we must be in a wide hall... There used to be great windows on the mountainside, but it is night outside, and we cannot tell until morning. In the meantime, we'd better go no further. Things have gone well so far, and the greater part of the dark road is over. But we are not through yet, and it is a long way down to the gates that open onto the world. Let us rest, if we can. must have been a mighty crowd of dwarfs here at one time. And every one of them busier than badgers for 500 years to make all this. And most in hard rock, too. 
What did they do it all for? Well, they didn't live in these darksome holes, surely. These are not holes. This is the great realm and city of the Dwaradelf. And of old it was not darksome, but full of light and splendour, as is still remembered in our songs. The world was fair, the mountains tall in elder days, before the fall of mighty kings in Nargothrond and Gondolin, who now beyond the western seas have passed away. The world was fair in Durin's day. A king he was on carven throne, in many pillared halls of stone, with golden roof and silver floor, and runes of power upon the door. The light of sun and star and moon, in shining lamps of crystal hewn, undimmed by cloud or shade of night, there shone forever fair. And bright. Unwearied then were Durin's folk. Beneath the mountains music woke. The harpers harped, the minstrels sang. And at the gates the trumpets rang. The world is grey, the mountains old. The forge's fire is ashen cold. No harp is rung, no hammer falls. The darkness dwells in Durin's halls. The shadow lies upon his tomb in Moria, in Khazad-dûm. But still the sunken stars appear in dark and windless Miramir. There lies his crown in water deep till Durin wakes again from sleep. <sighs> I like that. I should like to learn it. In Moria, in Khazad-dûm. But did none of your people ever return here? Thor only dared pass the doors and he perished. And then, thirty years ago, Balin listened too long to the whispers of the mighty works and treasures of our fathers hidden in Khazad-dûm, and he resolved to come here. He took with him Ori and Owen and many of our folk. And for a while... We had news, and it seemed good. Then there was silence, and no word has ever come from Moria since. But, but are there piles of jewels and gold lying about here still? Piles of jewels? No. The orcs have often plundered Moria. There's nothing left in the upper halls. But, but, but what do the dwarves want to come back for? For Mithril. Here alone in the world was found Moria silver, or true silver, as some have called it. Its worth was ten times that of gold. But even as Mithril was the foundation of their wealth, so also it was their destruction. They delved too greedily, too deep, and disturbed that from which they had fled. Durin's bane, a Balrog, the most powerful and terrible of the servants of Sauron. But is there any mithril to be found now? Bilbo had a corslet of mithril rings that Thorin gave him. I wonder what has become of it. A corslet of Moria silver? That was a kingly gift. Yes. I never told him, but its worth was greater than the value of the whole shire and everything in it. But uh, we must sleep now while we have the chance. Frodo, yes? yours is the first watch.
Fancy. Me walking about with the price of the Shire under my jacket. <laughs> oh. Did Bilbo know, I wonder? Oh, I wish we were back together at Bag End. And that I had never heard of Moria or Mithril or the Ring. Luminous eyes. Oh, no, there's nothing. I must have nearly fallen asleep on guard. Oh, I was on the edge of a dream. When the company awoke, they found a dim light falling on their faces. High up above the eastern archway, through a shaft near the roof, came a long, pale gleam. Good morning. Oh, morning it is at last. I was right, you see. We are high up on the east side of Moria. Before today is over, we ought to find the great gates and see the waters of Miramir lying in the Dimril Dale before us. I should be glad. I have looked on Moria, and it is very great, but it has become dark and dreadful, and we have found no sign of my kindred. I doubt now that Balin ever came here. We must go on again. Which way shall we take? Yonder, eastward arch? Uh, maybe. But uh, we ought to look about us. Let us go towards that light in the north door. There's another chamber here on the right. The stone door stands half open. There's a slab of white stone. It looks like a tomb. See, there are runes graven on it. Yeah. These, these are Daron's runes, such as were used of old in Moria. Balin, son of Fundin, lord of Moria. He is dead, then. I feared it was so. The shadow lies upon his tomb in Moria, in Casadum. Hmm. There are bones strewn about in the dust. Broken swords and axes. This is an orc scimitar. There are some chests in the wall here, too. Hmm. Oh, but they've all been broken into. Oh, there's something still in this one, though. It, it looks like a book. Bring it here to me. Oh, it's got burned. When there's some old blood on it. Careful, careful, careful. The pages are cracked. They'll crumble. It seems to be a record of the fortunes of Balin's folk. Uh, I guess that it began with their coming here. Listen. We drove out orcs from the great gate. Orcs. There was always talk of orcs back in the Shire. They're the oldest and bitterest of our foes. They were bred by Melkor, the evil one who Sauron served in envy and mockery of the elves. They're filled with malice and hate even their own kind. 
and deep in their hearts they loathe the master whom they serve in fear. The book is written in many different scripts. Here is a bold hand using an elvish script. That would be Ori's hand. Ah, I fear he had ill tidings to record. Look here. The 10th of November, Balin, Lord of Moria, fell in Dimril Dale. And here, on the last page of all, they have taken the bridge and the second hall. We cannot get out Drums, drums in the deep. I wonder what that means. The last thing written is in a trailing scrawl of letters. They are coming. There's nothing more. Listen. Drums. In the deep. They're coming. We cannot get out. Trapped. Why did I delay? Here we are, caught just as they were before. But I was not here then. Slam the doors and wedge them. We may get a chance to cut our way out yet. No, we must not get shut in. Keep the east door jar. We will go that way if we get a chance. They're coming. Wait a moment, Boromir. Do not close the door yet. Who comes hither to disturb the rest of Balin, Lord of Moria? Let us see what we have to face. Stand back! Close the door! There are orcs. Very many of them. Some are large and evil. Black Uruks of Mordor. There's no hope of escape that way. And no hope at all if they come at the other door as well. There is no sound outside the eastern door. The passage plunges straight down the stair, but it is no good flying blindly this way with the orcs in pursuit behind us. For we cannot block this door. We must do something to delay the enemy first. They're trying to force the door. It will never hold! the last chance. Run for it. Go on ahead. I will carry Frodo. Oh, I am all right. I can walk. Put me down. I thought you were dead. There is no time for wonder. Off you go, all of you, down the stairs. Wait a few minutes for me at the bottom. If I do not come soon, go on. We cannot leave you to hold the door alone. Do as I say. Swords are no more use here. Go on. Do as he says. Tell me, you lean on me. Well, that's over. Oh, 
I've done all that I could. But don't stand here. Go on. You'll have to do without light for a while. I'm rather shaken. Keep close. All of you. All right. At the end of an hour, they had gone a mile, or maybe a little more, and had descended many flights of stairs. It's getting hot. We ought to be down at least to the level of the gates now. But uh, I must rest here a moment. Even if all the orcs ever spawned are after us. What happened away up there at the door? Did you meet the beater of drums? I do not know. But I found myself suddenly confronted by something that I had not met before. I put a shutting spell on the door, but the counter spell was terrible. The door burst in pieces. Something dark as a cloud was blocking out all the light inside. I was thrown backwards down the stairs. All the hall gave way. And the roof of the chamber as well, I think. So Balin is buried deep. Yeah, and maybe something else is buried there too. But at least the passage behind us was completely blocked. Oh, oh. I'd never felt so spent. And now, what about you, Frodo? Mm, what about me? I'm alive and whole, I think. Oh, I'm bruised and in pain, but it's not too bad. Well, I can only say that hobbits are made of a stuff so tough that I have never met the like of it. That spear thrust would have skewered a wild boar. You take after Bilbo. There's <laughs> more about you than meets the eye. As I said of him long ago. Come, I am rested. Let us go on. Wait! There is a light ahead! But it is not daylight! It is red! Uh, there is some devilry here devised for our welcome, no doubt. Come and look. You see the great hall that lies beyond? Across it runs a great fissure of fire. If we had come by the main road, down from the upper halls, we should have been trapped here. But now let us hope the fire lies between us and our pursuers. The gates are near. If we go down here, to the left, across the bridge of Khazad-dûm, up a broad stair, along a wide road, and out. The orcs are coming! But they can't get across the fire! They didn't expect this! The fire has cut them off! Look ahead! Slow down! The bridge is near! It's dangerous and narrow. It was the ancient defense against our enemies. They could only pass across it in single file. The chasm is of a depth immeasurable. Lead the way, Gimli. Uh, Pippin and Merry next. Yes. Straight on and up the stair. They're massing beyond the fire. Two great trolls are coming with slabs of stone to bridge the chasm. They're crowding away. Something is coming that they fear. Fire! Fire! A bell log! A bell log! The scourge of our people during pain! Now I understand. What an evil fortune. <laughs> and I am already weary. Over the bridge! This is a foe beyond any of you. I must hold the narrow way. Fly! I will not yield! Nor I! You cannot pass! I am a servant of the secret fire! Wielder of the flame of Aenor, you cannot pass. The dark fire will not avail you, flame of Udon. Go back to the shadow. 
You cannot pass! You cannot pass, I say! Back to your darkness! Back from this bridge, or I shall plunge you into the abyss! And fall! Spawn of Melkor! Fall! I will lead you now. We must obey his last command. Follow me. Do not look back. We are not through yet. There is light ahead. An orc's guarding the gate. Follow me. They're running away. Now, quickly. Out of the gates they ran and sprang down the huge and age-worn steps, the threshold of Moria. Dimril Dale lay about them. It was but one hour after noon. Grief at last wholly overcame them, and they wept long. Farewell, Gandalf. Did I not say to you, if you pass the doors of Moria, beware? Alas, that I spoke true. What hope is there for us without him? We must do without hope. At least we may yet be avenged. Let us gird ourselves and weep no more. Come, we have a long road and much to do. But where shall we go? I shall take you by the road that Gandalf chose. The road down the Silver Load to Lothlorien. Begging your pardon, do we have to go on just yet? Poor Mr. Frodo's not had a chance to rest himself since that filthy orc thrust his spear at him. I'm sorry, Frodo. So much has happened this day that I had forgotten that you were hurt. We have done nothing to ease you. Come now, let us see your wounds. I'm all right, Aragorn. All I need is food and a little rest. No, we must have a look. I still marvel that you are alive at all. Help me to put his jacket off, sir. Oh, look, my friends. Here's a pretty hobbit skin to wrap an elven princeling in. (laughs) A mithril coat. I have never heard tell of one so fair. Is this the coat that Gandalf spoke of? <laughs> then he undervalued it. But it was well given. Oh, dear old Bilbo, I love him more than ever. I do hope we get a chance of telling him about it. When they had eaten, the company continued on their way. For three hours they travelled. The night wind blew chill up the valley to meet them. Before them, a wide grey shadow loomed. Do you hear the wind among the leaves? Lothlorien. Lothlorien. The fairest of the dwellings of the elves. We've come to the eaves of the golden wood. Alas, that it is winter. Lothlorien. Let us hope that the virtue of the elves will keep us tonight from the peril that comes behind. If elves indeed still dwell in this darkening world. Here is Nimrodel. Of this stream, the sylvan elves made many songs long ago. And still we sing them in the north, remembering the rainbow on its falls and the golden flowers that floated in its foam. But all is dark now since sorrow came upon Lothlorien. What sorrow? The sorrow that came when the dwarves awakened evil in the mountains. But the dwarves did not make the evil. I did not say so. Yet evil came. Listen. Is it the wind in the trees? 
Or are there voices? No. Be still. Do not move or speak. I will climb up into the tree. Wait here. Who are they? They're elves. Frodo! Come up! Yes. They wish to talk to you. Oh, they let down a rope ladder. Come, Frodo! <laughs> Welcome. We have heard rumours of your coming, for the messengers of Elrond passed by Lorien on their way home up the Dimrill Stair. Haldir is my name. So, you are Frodo. I am. <laughs> you do not look evil. And since you come with an elf of our kindred, we are willing to befriend you. Tomorrow I will lead you to Caliborn. Tonight you must stay here. How many are you? Eight. Myself, four hobbits and two men, one of whom, Aragorn, is an elf friend of the folk of Westerness. His name is known in Lorien, and he has the favour of the Lady Galadriel. But you have yet spoken only of seven. The eighth is a dwarf. Dwarf? Since the dark days, they are not permitted in our land. But Elrond himself, chosen to be one of our companions, he is brave and faithful. Well, then he shall pass. But it is against our liking. You shall take refuge with him and the two men in the next tree. The hobbits shall stay with us. We do not fear them. The hobbits found it hard to go to sleep that night, for they do not like heights. But lulled by the murmur of the falls of Nimrodel, they slept. Late in the night, Frodo awoke. <gasps> what? Don't worry. I'm stowing the rope ladder. But what is it? Orcs. But have no fear. They're going away. Go back to sleep. Yes. But orcs can climb trees. What's that? Something <laughs> is climbing the tree. That's not an orc. But it isn't an elf either. like that before. It was no orc. They have passed by. But we must take the road south as soon as it is fully light. The following morning, the company crossed the silver load and entered Lorien. Like stepping over a bridge of time into a corner of the elder days. A world that is no more, but where ancient things still live on in the waking world. After they had walked many leagues through the trees, they came to an open space where stood a great mound covered with a sward of grass as green as springtime in the elder days. Upon it, as a double crown, grew two circles of trees. The outer had bark of snowy white and were leafless, but beautiful in their shapely nakedness. The inner 
were malorn trees of great height, still arrayed in pale gold. High amid the branches of a towering tree that stood in the centre of all, there gleamed a great white platform. You are come to Karin Amroth, for this is the heart of the ancient realm as it was long ago. In winter here no heart could mourn for summer or for spring. No, with sunlight and bright day right enough. I thought that elves were all for moon and stars. But this is more elvish than anything I ever heard tell of. I feel as if I, if I was inside a song, if you take my meaning. Here is the heart of elvendom on earth, Arwen van Imelde Namari. Here my heart dwells ever, and there shall be light beyond the dark roads that we must tread. Let us continue our journey to Karas Galatrim, to the city of Green Towers. Here dwell Celeborn and Galadriel. It is their wish that you should ascend and speak with them. They climbed slowly up a malorn tree, taller than any they had yet seen. And at a great height above the ground, they came to a wide wooden platform. On two chairs beneath the bowl of the tree, there sat side by side Celeborn and Galadriel. They were clad wholly in white, and the hair of the lady was of deep gold, and the hair of the Lord Celeborn was of silver, long and bright. But no sign of age was upon them, unless it were in the depths of their eyes. Sit down beside my chair, Frodo of the Shire. When all have come, we will speak together. Welcome, Aragorn, son of Arathorn. It is eight and thirty years of the world outside since you came to this land. And those years lie heavy on you. But the end is near, for good or ill. Here lay aside your burden for a while. Welcome Gimli, son of Glowin. It is long indeed since we saw one of Durin's folk in Karas Galathon. But today we have broken our long law against your race. May it be a sign that though the world is now dark, better days are at hand and that friendship shall be renewed between our peoples. But where is Gandalf the Grey? He set out with your company, yet I know he did not pass the borders of this land. Tell us where he is, for I much desired to speak with him again. Alas, Gandalf the Grey fell into shadow. He remained in Moria and did not escape. He saved us, and he fell. How came he by his death? He fell into the abyss, locked in combat with some evil of the ancient world, more terrible than I have ever seen. It was that which haunts our darkest dreams, Durin's bane. Alas, we have long feared that under Karathras a terror slept, but had I known that the dwarves had stirred up this evil in Moria again, I would have forbidden you to pass through, Lorien, you and all that went with you. And if it were possible, one would say that at the last Gandalf fell from wisdom into folly... However it may be with a guide, the followers are blameless. Do not repent of your welcome to the dwarf. If our folk had been exiled long and far from Lothlorien, which of us, even Celeborn the Wise, would pass nigh and not wish to look upon their ancient home, though it had become an abode of dragons? Fair were the many pillared halls of Khazad-dûm in elder days, before the fall of mighty kings beneath the stone. 
Yet more fair is the living land of Lorien, and the Lady Galadriel is above all jewels that lie beneath the earth. Let Gimli forget my harsh words. I spoke in the trouble of my heart. I will do what I can to aid you, each according to his wish and need, but especially that one of the little folk who bears the burden. Your quest is known to us, Frodo. Yet not in vain will it prove that you came to this land seeking aid, as Gandalf himself plainly purposed. For Celeborn, lord of the Galathrim, is accounted the wisest of elves of Middle-earth, and I have dwelt with him years uncounted. I will not give you counsel, saying do this or do that, for I can avail only in knowing what was and is, and in part also what shall be. But this will I say to you. Your quest stands upon the edge of a knife. Stray but a little and it will fail to the ruin of all. Yet hope remains, while all the company is true. And with that word, she held them with her eyes, and in silence looked searchingly at each of them in turn. None, save Legolas and Aragorn, could long endure her glance. Sam quickly blushed and hung his head. Do not let your hearts be troubled. Tonight you shall sleep in peace. And what did you blush for, Sam Gamgee? Anyone would have thought you had a guilty conscience. Uh, if you want to know, I felt as if I hadn't got nothing on and I didn't like it. She seemed to be looking inside me and asking me what I would do if if she gave me a chance of flying back to the Shire, to a nice little hole with, with, with a bit of garden of my own. Oh, that's funny. That's almost exactly what I felt myself, only, only, well... No, I don't think I'll say any more. It seemed to me, too, that... I was offered a choice. To me, it seemed exceedingly strange. Maybe it was only a test, and she thought to read our thoughts for her own good purpose. But almost I would have said that she was tempting us and offering what she pretended to have the power to give. It need not be said that I refused to listen. The men of Minas Tirith are true to their word. But what of you, Ringbearer? She held you long in her gaze. Yes, but whatever came into my mind, I will keep there. Well, have a care. I do not feel too sure of this elvish lady and her purposes. Speak no evil of the Lady Galadriel. You know not what you say. There is in her and in this land no evil, unless a man bring it hither himself. Then let him beware. But tonight I shall sleep without fear for the first time since I left Rivendell, and may I sleep deep and forget a while my grief. I am weary in body and in heart. They remained some days in Lothlorien, so far as they could tell or remember. The air was cool and soft, as if it were early spring, yet they felt about them the deep and thoughtful quiet of winter.
I've been trying to put into words what I feel about Gandalf, Sam. But you, Mr. Frodo? Yes. I didn't know you were one for the rhymes. But then you do take after old Mr. Bilbo in many ways. Will you speak it to me? Well, I'll do my best, Sam. Though I can only remember snatches of it. Um, <coughs> when evening in the Shire was grey, his footsteps on the hill were heard. Before the dawn he went away on journey long without a word. From Wilderland to western shore, from northern waste to southern hill, through dragon lair and hidden door and darkling woods, he walked at will. A deadly sword... A healing hand, a back that bent beneath its load. A trumpet voice, a burning brand, a weary pilgrim on the road. A lord of wisdom throned he sat, swift in anger, quick to laugh. An old man in a battered hat, who leaned upon a thorny staff. He stood upon the bridge alone. And fire and shadow both defied. His staff was broken on the stone. In Kazad-dum, his wisdom died. Oh, well, well, that's very good, Mr. Frodo. Well, it's the best that I can do, yet. But I can't think about it anymore. Let's talk about something else, Sam. Yes. <clears throat> Oh, yes. What do you think of elves now, Sam? <laughs> well, I, I, I've never heard of a better land than this. Mm. It, it's like being at home and on holiday at the same time, if you understand me. Yes. I don't want to leave. All the same, I'm beginning to feel that if we've got to go on, then we'd best get it over. It's the job that never gets started as takes longest to finish, as my old gaffer used to say. And I don't reckon that these folk can do much more to help us, magic or no. Mm. Even as he spoke, they saw, as if she came in answer to their thoughts, the Lady Galadriel approaching. She spoke no word, but beckoned to them. Down a long flight of steps the lady went into a deep green hollow through which ran murmuring the silver stream that issued from the hill of Caras Galathon. With water from the stream, Galadriel filled a basin of silver to the brim and breathed on it. Here is the mirror of Galadriel. I have brought you here that you may look in it, if you will. What shall we look for? And what shall we see? What you will see if you leave the mirror free to work, I cannot tell. For it shows things that were and things that are, and things that yet may be. But which it is that he sees, even the wisest cannot always tell. Do you wish to look? And you, Sam Gamgee, do you wish to see elf magic? Oh, I, I'll have a peep, lady, if you're willing. Come, you shall look and see what you may. Do not touch the water. Oh, there's only stars. Ah, they've all gone out. It's daylight, and there are trees. It's gone again. And there's Mr. Frodo. He's lying fast asleep under a dark cliff. He looks very pale. And I'm climbing. I'm climbing up some winding stairs that never seem to end. 
I'm looking for something. It's gone. There are the trees again. Somebody's cutting them down. It's Ted Sandyman. They didn't ought to be felled. It's that avenue beyond the mill that shades the road to Bywater. But the old mill's gone. And there's a great tall chimney with black smoke pouring out of it. And folk working away fit to bust. There's some devilry at work in the Shire. I can't stay here. I must go home. Well, they've dug up Backshot Row. And there's the poor old gaffer going down the hill with his bits of things and a barrow. Well, I must go home. You cannot go home alone. You did not wish to go home without your master before you looked in the mirror. And yet you knew that evil things might well be happening in the Shire. Remember that the mirror shows many things, and not all have yet come to pass. Some never come to be. Unless those that behold the visions turn aside from their paths to prevent them. The mirror is dangerous as a guide of deeds. No, I'll go home by the long road with Mr. Frodo, or not at all. But I hope I do get back someday. If what I see turns out true, somebody's going to catch it hot. Do you wish now to look, Frodo? Do you advise me to look? I do not counsel you one way or the other. You may learn something, and whether what you see be fair or evil, that may be profitable, and yet it may not. Seeing is both good and perilous. Yet I think, Frodo, that you have courage and wisdom enough for the venture, or I would not have brought you here. Do as you will. I will look. Twilight land and a long grey road winding towards the mountains. There's somebody coming down the road, clothed in white with a white staff. Gandalf? Gandalf. But I cannot see his face, and, and now he's turned aside. G Gandalf? Or was it Saruman? There's Bilbo walking about his room. There are papers all over his table. He's gone. And that must be must be the sea. I never saw it before. There's a great storm coming and a ship with torn sails riding up out of the west. A wide river flowing through a populous city. A white fortress with seven towers. A ship with black sails. A banner bearing the emblem of a white tree shining in the sunlight. The smoke and fire of battle, and a small ship twinkling with lights passing away into the mist. And, uh, and that's all. It's, it's over. Ah. Oh. No. There is something else. An eye. It's growing larger. An eye. Rimmed with fire, yellow as a cat's, and its pupil is a great dark slit. It's looking for me, but it can't see me. Oh, the ring is growing heavier, the chain round my neck is. For pulling me down towards the water. Do not touch the mirror. I know what it was you last saw, for that is also in my mind. 
Do not be afraid. Do not think that only by singing amid the trees, nor even by the slender arrows of elven bows, is this land of Lothlorien maintained and defended against its enemy. I say to you, Frodo, that even as I speak to you, I perceive the Dark Lord and know his mind. And he gropes ever to see me and my thought. But still the door is closed. She lifted up her white arms and spread out her hands towards the east in a gesture of rejection and denial. Arendil, the evening star, most beloved of the elves, shone clear above, and its rays glanced upon a ring about her finger. Yes. You understand. It is one of the three rings which were saved by the elves and which is kept hidden from Sauron. But it cannot be hidden from the ring-bearer and one who has seen the eye. Verily it is in the land of Lorien that one of the three remains. Of Naria, the red ring of fire, I cannot speak. Velia, the sapphire ring of air, is on the finger of Elrond. Nenya, the ring of water, the ring of adamant, is in my keeping. Sauron suspects, but he does not know. Not yet. Do you not see now wherefore your coming is to us as the footsteps of doom? For if you fail, then we are laid bare to the enemy. Yet if you succeed, then our power is diminished and Lothlorien will fade and the tides of time will sweep it away. I would wish, were it of any avail, that the one ring had never been wrought. Or it remained forever lost. You are wise and fearless, Lady Galadriel. I will give you the one ring if you ask for it. It is too great a matter for me. Wise the Lady Galadriel may be. Yet here she met her match in courtesy. Gently are you revenged for my testing of your heart at our first meeting. You begin to see with a keen eye. I do not deny that my heart has greatly desired to ask what you offer. For many long years I have pondered what I might do should the great ring come into my hands. And behold, it is brought within my grasp. You will give me the ring freely. In place of the Dark Lord, you will set me up as queen. And I shall not be dark, but beautiful and terrible as the morning and the night. Fair as the sea and the sun and the snow upon the mountain. Dreadful as the storm and the lightning. Stronger than the foundations of the earth. All shall love me and despair. The Lady Galadriel lifted up her hand, and from the ring of adamant there issued a great light that illuminated her alone. She stood before Frodo, seeming now tall beyond measurement, terrible, 
and worshipful. Then she let her hand fall. The light faded, and lo, she was shrunken, a slender elf woman clad in simple white, whose gentle voice was soft and sad. I pass the test. I will diminish and go into the west and remain Galadriel. Let us return. In the morning you must depart, for we have chosen, and the tides of fate are flowing. Now is the time when those who wish to continue the quest must harden their hearts to leave this land. I have looked into their hearts. They have all resolved to go forward. As for me, my way home lies forward and not back. But is all this company going with you to Minas Tirith? We have not decided our course. Yet when you leave this land, you can no longer forget the great river. On which side will you journey? The way to Minas Tirith lies upon this side, upon the west. But the straight road of the quest to Mordor lies east of the river, upon the darker shore. Which shore will you now take? If my advice is heeded, it'll be the western shore and the way to Minas Tirith. But I am not the leader of the company. I see that you do not yet know what to do. It is not my part to choose for you, but I will help you as I may. I will furnish the company with boats. They must be small and light, for if you go far by water, there are places where you will be forced to carry them. Yet they will not give you counsel. In the end, you must leave them and the river and turn west or east. In the morning, as they were beginning to pack their slender goods, elves came to them and brought them many gifts of food and clothing for the journey. The food was mostly in the form of very thin cakes. Mmm, cram! No more, no more! You have eaten enough already for a long day's march. I thought it was only a kind of cram, such as the Dale men make for journeys in the wild. So it is, but we call it lembus or waybread. And it is more strengthening than any food made by men. And these will serve you for your protection on the journey that lies ahead. Are these magic cloaks? I do not know what you mean by that. They are elvish robes, certainly. You will find them a great aid in keeping out of the sight of unfriendly eyes, whether you walk among the stones or the trees. You are indeed high in the favour of the Lady Galadriel, for she herself and her maidens wove this stuff. She is most gracious. It is time for us all to go to the great river... The hour is come when you must take your leave of us. I have brought you gifts in memory of Lothlorien. Aragorn, here is a sheath for Anduriel, your sword. The blade that is drawn from this sheath shall not be stained or broken, even in defeat. But is there aught else that you desire of me at our parting? For darkness will now flow between us, and it may be that we shall not meet again. Unless it be far hence upon a road that has no returning. Lady, you know all my desire, and long held in keeping the only treasure I seek. Yet it is not yours to give me, even if you would. And only through darkness shall I come to it. Yet maybe this will lighten your heart. For it was left in my care to be given to you, should you pass through this land. This stone I gave to Calebrian, my daughter, and she to her daughter, Arwin. Now it comes to you as a token of hope. In this hour, take the name that was foretold for you, 
Lesser, the Elstone of the House of Elendil. Gladriel turned then to Boromir, and to him she gave a belt of gold, and to Merry and Pippin she gave small silver belts, each with a clasp wrought like a golden flower. To Legolas she gave a bow, such as the Galadrim use. For you, Sam Gamgee, I have a small gift. Here on this little box is set G for Galadriel, but also it may stand for garden in your tongue. The box contains earth from my orchard. It will not keep you on your road, nor defend you against any peril. But if you keep it and see your home again at last, then perhaps it may reward you. Though you should find all barren and laid waste, there will be few gardens in Middle-earth that will bloom like your garden, if you sprinkle this earth there. Then may you remember Galadriel, and catch a glimpse far off of Lorien, that you have seen only in our winter. For our spring and summer are gone by, and they will never be seen on earth again, save in memory. And what gift would a dwarf ask of the elves? None, lady. It is enough for me to have seen the Lady of the Galatrim, and to have heard her gentle words. Yet surely, Gimli, son of Glowing, you desire something that I could give. Name it, I bid you. You shall not be the only guest without a gift. There is nothing, nothing, unless it be, unless it is permitted to ask, nay, to name a single strand of your hair, which surpasses the gold of the earth as the stars surpass the gems of the mine. It is said that the skill of the dwarves is in their hands rather than in their tongues. Yet that is not true of Gimli. For none have ever made me a request so bold and yet so courteous. But tell me, what would you do with such a gift? Treasure it, lady, in memory of your words to me at our first meeting. And if ever I return to the smithies of my home, it shall be set in imperishable crystal to be an heirloom of my house and a pledge of goodwill between the mountains and the wood until the end of days. These words shall go with a gift. I do not foretell, for all foretelling is now in vain. On the one hand lies darkness, and on the other only hope. But if hope should not fail, then I say to you, Gimli, son of Glowin, that your hand shall flow with gold, and yet over you gold shall have no dominion. And you, Ringbearer, I come to you last, who are not last in my thoughts. For you, I have prepared this file. In it is caught the light of Eärendil's star, set amid the waters of my fountain. It will shine still brighter when night is about you. May it be a light to you in dark places, when all other lights are out. Remember Galadriel and her mirror. A yellow noon lay on the green land, and the water glittered with silver. The company took their places in the boats, and the elves of Lorien with long grey poles thrust them out into the flowing stream, and the rippling waters bore them slowly away.
the last upon that which was fairest. Henceforward I will call nothing fair, unless it be her gift. Tell me, Legolas, why did I come on this quest? Little did I know where the chief peril lay. Torment in the dark was a danger that I feared, and it did not hold me back. But I would not have come had I known the danger of light and joy. Now I have taken my worst wound in this parting. I count you blessed, Gimli's son of Glowin. For your loss, you suffer of your own free will. And you might have chosen to remain. But you have not forsaken your companions. And the least reward that you shall have is that the memory of Lothlorien shall remain ever clear and unstained in your heart. Memory is not what the heart desires. It is only a mirror. So says the heart of Gimli, the dwarf. Look to the boat! Hmm? She's too low in the water with all this baggage, and the great river is swift. I do not wish to drown my grief in cold water. Give me that paddle. <laughs> For four days, the company travelled down the great river, Anduin. The dull grey hours passed without event. The lands changed slowly. The trees thinned and then failed altogether. They camped at night on a small island close to the western bank. Mr. Frodo, are you still awake? Uh, just about, Sam. Mr. Frodo, I had a funny dream an hour or two before we stopped. Or maybe it wasn't a dream. Funny it was, anyway. I saw a log with eyes. At first I thought it was just an ordinary log, floating along behind Gimbley's boat. Then it seemed as if the log was slowly catching us up. Then I saw the eyes... Two pale sort of points, shiny like on a hump at the near end of the log. What's more, it wasn't a log, for it had paddle feet. That's when I sat right up and rubbed my eyes, meaning to give a shout if it was still there when I'd rubbed the drows out of my head. But whether those two lamps spotted me moving and staring, or whether I came to my senses, I don't know. When I looked again, it wasn't there. Well, what do you make of it, Mr. Frodo? Hmm... I should make nothing of it, Sam, if it was the first time that those eyes had been seen, but it isn't. I saw them back north before we reached Lorien, and in the tree by the silver load. And I have often thought that I heard the sound of feet pattering behind us. I don't want to disturb you, Mr. Frodo, but thinking of one thing and another, and Mr. Bilbo's stories and all, I fancy I could put a name on that creature, at a guess, a nasty name. Gollum, maybe. Yes. That is what I have feared for some time. Uh, the miserable creature must have been hiding in the woods by the river, watching us start off. Yes, that's about it. And we'd better be a bit more watchful ourselves, or we'll feel some nasty fingers round our necks one of these nights, if we ever wake up to feel anything. Yeah. I'll keep watch tonight. All right, sir. The night passed, 
without Gollum showing so much as a shadow again. Now the company journeyed mostly by night and twilight, resting by day and lying as hidden as the land allowed, always keeping watch for bands of marauding orcs. On the ninth day they reached the impassable rapids of San Gabir and they carried their boats along the bank until they came to a wide ravine which narrowed in the distance to a chasm with cliffs rising to an unimaginable height on either side. The gates of Argonath! Have we passed by the rapids of San Gabir to perish here? Fear not! The water is swiftly flowing, but it is clear. Long have I desired to look upon this place, to see those two great pinnacles of stone. Those are the pillars of the kings. Keep the boats in line and hold the middle of the stream. They have been shaped into the figures of kings. They are the likenesses of Isildur and Anarion, my sires of old. Under their shadow, we have naught to fear. What a place! What a horrible place! Just let me get out this boat and I'll never wet my toes in a puddle again, let alone a river. But suddenly, the boat shot through the chasm, out into a wider, clearer sky. They came into a long, oval lake, and at the far southern end rose three mountain peaks. Wilderland was behind them. They could go no further without choice between the east way and the west. The day has come at last, the day of choice which we have long delayed. What shall now become of our company that has travelled so far in fellowship? Shall we turn west with Boromir and go to the wars in Gondor, or shall we turn east to the fear and shadow? Or shall we break our fellowship and go this way and that, as each may choose? Whatever we do must be done soon. We cannot long halt here. The enemy is on the eastern shore, we know, but I fear that the orcs may already be on this side of the river. I shall go to Minas Tirith alone, if need be, for it is my duty. If you only wish to destroy the ring, then there's little use in war and weapons, and the men of Minas Tirith cannot help. But if you wish to destroy the armoured might of the Dark Lord, then it is folly to go without force into his domain, and folly to throw it away. What do you mean? I, I mean, it would be folly to throw lives away. It is a choice between defending a strong place and walking openly into the arms of death. Be that as it may. I fear that the burden of decision is laid upon you, Frodo. You are the bearer appointed by the council. Your own way you alone can choose. In this matter I cannot advise you. I am not Gandalf, and though I have tried to bear his part, I do not know what design or hope he had for this hour, if indeed he had any. I know that haste is needed, yet I cannot choose. Oh, the burden is heavy. Give, give me an hour longer and I will speak. Let me be alone. Very well. But do not stray far or out of call. Frodo wandered aimlessly at first, but found that his feet were leading him up towards the slope of a hill. He came to a path, the dwindling ruins of a road of long ago. For some while he climbed, not caring which way he went, until he came to a grassy place. Rowan trees grew about it, and in the midst was a wide, flat stone. I was afraid for you, Frodo. Oh. Boromir. If Aragorn is right and the orcs are near, then none of us should wander alone, and you least of all. So much depends on you. And my heart is heavy, too. 
May I stay now and talk for a while? Since I found you. It would comfort me. Yes. Where there are so many, all speech becomes a debate without end. Two together may perhaps find wisdom. You're kind. But I do not think that any speech will help me. For I know what I should do. But I'm afraid of doing it, Boromir. I am afraid. Are you sure that you do not suffer needlessly? Hmm? I wish to help you. You need counsel in your hard choice. Will you not take mine? I think I know already what counsel you would give, Boromir. To go with you to Gondor. But the world is changing. The walls of Minas Tirith may be strong, but they are not strong enough. If they fail, what then? We shall fall in battle valiantly. Yet there is still hope that they will not fail. No hope while the ring lasts. <sighs> the ring... Is it not a strange fate that we should suffer so much fear and doubt for so small a thing? So small a thing. And I've seen it only for an instant in the house of Elrond. Could I not have a sight of it again? It is best that it should lie hidden. As you wish. I care not. Yet may I not even speak of it. The world is changing, you say. Minas Tirith will fall if the ring lasts. But why? Why, if it were with us? Were you not at the council, Boromir? Because we cannot use it, and what is done with it turns to evil. Oh, so they have told you, Gandalf, Elrond, and the rest. But we of Minas Tirith are not elves or dwarves, we are men. We do not desire the powers of wizard lords, only strength to defend ourselves, strength in a just cause. In our need, chance brings to light the ring of power. It is mad not to use it, to use the power of the enemy against him. What could not a warrior do in this hour, a great leader? The ring would give me power of command. How I would drive the hosts of Mordor, and all men would flock to my banner. Surely you see it, my friend. You say that you are afraid. If it is so, the boldest should pardon you. But is it not really your good sense that revolts? No. I am afraid, simply afraid. But I am glad to have heard you speak so fully, Boromir. My mind is clearer now. Then you'll come to Minas Tirith? You misunderstand me. Will you not at least let me make trial of my plan? No. Lend me the ring. No. The council laid it upon me to bear it. If any mortals have claim to the ring, it is the men of Numenor and not halflings. It is not yours, save by unhappy chance. It might have been mine. It should be mine. Give it to me. No, Boromir. Why not be free of it? You can lay the blame on me, if you will. You can say that I was too strong and took it by force. For I am too strong for you, halfling! Where are you gone? Miserable trickster! Let me get my hands on you. Now I see your mind. You will take the ring to Sauron and sell us all. Curse you and all halflings to death and darkness. What have I said? 
done. Frodo, a madness took me, but it has passed. Frodo, Frodo, come back. Come back. Come back. Come back. Come back. I will do now what I must. This at least is plain. The evil of the ring is already at work, even in the company, and the ring must leave them before it does more harm. I will go alone. Some I cannot trust, and those I can trust are too dear to me. I will go alone. At once. Boromir, where have you been? Have you seen Frodo? Yes and no. Yes. I found him some way up the hill and spoke to him. I urged him to come to Minas Tirith and not to go east. I grew angry and he left me. He vanished. I've never seen such a thing happen before, though I've heard of it in tales. He must have put the ring on. I thought he would return to you. Is that all you have to say? Yes. I will say no more yet. Boromir. How long is it since you saw Frodo? Half an hour, maybe, or it might be an hour. I've wandered for some time since. I do not know. I do not know! An hour since he vanished? Where is he? We must find him at once. Frodo! 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 Wait a minute! Come back! We shall all be scattered and lost! Boromir, I do not know what part you have played in this mischief, but help now. Go after those two young hobbits and guard them at the least. Even if you cannot find Frodo, I shall return soon. Sam, sir, follow me and keep your eyes open. Yes, sir. Frodo! Frodo! Mr. Frodo! Mr. Frodo! Oh, Mr. Frodo, sir! Mr. Frodo! Mr. Frodo! Mr. Frodo! Oh, oh. No, steady, Sam Gangy. Your legs are too short, so use your head. Where can he have gone? Well, he can't fly across rivers, and he can't jump waterfalls. He's got to get back to the boat. Back to the boats. Back to the boats, Sam. Like lightning. What's that boat doing? Sliding down the bank all by itself. Oh, where's Mr. Frodo? He's put the ring on. I'm coming, Mr. Frodo. I'm coming. Whoa! Well, help! Help, Mr. Frodo! I can't swim! Help you come, Sam, my life! Now, take my hand. Come on. I can't see you. Save me, Mr. Frodo. I'm drowning. Hold on, Sam. Hold on to the boat. I'll paddle it back to the bank. Hold on. Now, can you touch the bottom? Oh, oh thank you kindly, Mr. Frodo. Uh, there. Oh. Oh. oh, Sam, Sam. Of all the confounded nuisances, huh? you are the worst. Oh. If it hadn't been for you, I would have been safely on my way. Safely? All alone, without me to help you? I couldn't have borne it. It would have been the death of me. It would be the death of you to come with me, Sam. And I could not bear that. I am going to Mordor. Well, I know that well enough, Mr. Frodo. Of course you are. I'm coming with you. Or neither of us is going. 
I'll knock holes in all the boats first. <laughs> well, leave one. We'll need it. But you can't come like this without your gear or your food or anything. Oh, just you hold on a minute. I'll get my stuff. I thought we, I thought we should be off today. And you know what? I've remembered what? this time, Mr. What? Poe. Rope. Oh. <laughs> Slender elven rope from Lothlorien. Well, Sam... It is plain that we were meant to go together. And we will go. And may the others find a safe road. Strider will look after them. I don't suppose we shall see them again. Oh, yet we may, Mr. Frodo. We may. Frodo! Frodo! Frodo, where are you? Frodo! Frodo! Frodo, where are you? Look, there's something through the trees over there. Is that him? Frodo? <laughs> Orcs! Help! Help! You can throw those little daggers away, my tinies. We're not going to fight you. Then you shall fight me! Follow me! Get behind me, both of you! Oh, they're coming out of the trees! There are dozens of them. Stand your horn, Boromir. Warn the others. How it was that Sam and I did not hear the sounding of Boromir's horn, I cannot tell. Were its warning notes carried away by some cheat of the wind? Were they drowned deep in the mighty roar of the falls of Rauros? Or were our ears deafened to them by our own anxieties and exertions? And had we heard, what would we have done? Gone on? Turned back? As it was, we could only hope that we might find the road that would carry us nearer to the land of shadow and the fulfilment of my quest. Hmm. It was beyond all hoping that such a road might prove safe. Though just how dangerous it would turn out to be, we could never have imagined in our most terrifying nightmares. In The Fellowship of the Ring, the first part of J.R.R. Tolkien's The Lord of the Rings, Frodo Baggins was played by Ian Holm, Gandalf by Michael Horden, Aragorn by Robert Stevens, Bilbo Baggins by John LeMessurier, and Gollum by Peter Woodthorpe. Sam, Bill Nye. Merry, Richard O'Callaghan. Pippin, John McAndrew. Legolas, David Collings. Gimli, Douglas Livingstone. Boromir, Michael Graham Cox. Theoden, Jack May. Grima Wormtongue, Paul Brook. Saruman, Peter Howell. The Lord of the Nazgul, Philip Voss. The Mouth of Sauron, John Rye. Barleman Butterber, James Grout. Farmer Maggot, John Bott. Elrond, Hugh Dixon. Galadriel, Marion Diamond. And Celeborn, Simon Cadell. The narrator was Gerard Murphy, with Sean Arnold, Diana Bishop, John Church, Graham Faulkner, Leonard Fenton, Donald G, Catherine Hurlbert, Alexander John, 
John Livesey, David McAllister, Martin Reed, Gordon Reed, Christopher Scott, Michael Spice, John Webb, and Hayden Wood. The music was composed and conducted by Stephen Oliver. The singers were David James and Matthew Vine. Radiophonic sound was by Elizabeth Parker. Technical presentation was by Peter Novis and David Greenwood, assisted by Richard Beadsmore, Tim Sturgeon, Diana Barkham and Paul Pearson. The producer's assistant was Angela Hurd. The Fellowship of the Ring was dramatised by Brian Sibley and Michael Bakewell, directed by Jane Morgan and Penny Lester, and produced by Jane Morgan. The story of The Lord of the Rings continues in The Two Towers. Audible hopes you have enjoyed this program.